Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Longbox Heroes, episode 562. I'm Todd, joined with my undead co-host, Joe Sposto. How are we doing today? Undead, I wouldn't say undead. I would just definitely say severely under the 90-plus degree thunderstorm weather we're having here in the Northeast. Right, right. Um, and I forgot the Longbox Heroes, or that long, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Yeah, I'm not fixing any of this. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, no, so I uh, am. I was lamenting to my wife uh, when she had come home over lunch. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not feeling too well. And she goes, oh, maybe it'll be okay. And then before we started recording and I went out and I talked to her, she's like, yeah, you sound terrible. Um, I go, yeah, I'm going to go talk into a microphone for two hours now. Wish me luck. Um yep. Yeah, so I don't know. I got something. I'm sick. I feel terrible. I'm schnotting and coughing all over the place. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll see what this ends up being. So, Todd, what do we have on the show today? Um, uh, Very svelte show, Joe. News? No. Um, <laughs> convention talk? No. <laughs> um, So I think we do have some... Uh, digital sale books um also we have what we read uh, last week which was both crossover seven and uh the green arrow 80th anniversary um what we're looking forward to this week todd and joe have issues with the clone saga and jonah hex um our, todd's art attack and at the end spoiler filled talk of only one show this week joe loki because uh legends of tomorrow was on hiatus for the fourth of july yes they decided to uh Stay home, I guess. I assume that the Legends of Tomorrow is a live action reality show filmed yes. in real time and then edited and so forth. They made the Wave Rider do fireworks and eat hamburgers or something. Right. So, uh, as Todd mentioned, there's no news this week. I think uh, all the PR guys took the weekend off, Joe. Yeah, yeah. No announcements and nothing, no anything. Um, I will use this time to say that I'm having the darndest time trying to keep track of uh, what DC books are coming out because, uh, you know, obviously we might get into it a little bit when we get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. But there's so many Batman books and so many of them are late. Yeah, well, I don't know if you know this. The kids like Batman. Like Chains, they like Batmans. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm with you. I, but uh, basically knowing what's coming out, um, I think – I just go by what, you know, the the Wednesday, the week before, there's the list and I'm good to go. But that's, the, I, I, I checked the list on Wednesday, just as an example, and the latest issue of Batman Catwoman was on the list on Wednesday of last week for this week. Right. It was on the list for Friday. And then when I went to look at the list on Monday, it wasn't on the list anymore. Okay, see the the site I use that we were... I sent it to you for the variant covers so you could see what they look like. The 50s, yeah. 50s. That never had Batman Catwoman on it. So. Yeah, it's weird. Because like I said, it was on uh, the, it was on both those. Uh, well, okay. So um, I don't check the variant cover sites until the Monday. Mm -hmm. But it was on because the DC books slipped through on the preview site. 
And then I went to the Lunar site on Wednesday and Batman Catwoman was there. And then I checked Lunar's site on Monday because it wasn't because Batman Catwoman wasn't showing up on the variant cover site. And I go, are they messing up and forgetting something? I'm like, I could have swore I saw this. So then I pulled up the Lunar site for the DC books and lo and behold, Batman Catwoman wasn't there anymore. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough to keep track of these things. And I think once everything rolls through with Marvel officially going through with uh, Random House, it's going to be uh, even more difficult. No, I think it's real easy. Just use that site that I sent you, and it's never <laughs> steered me wrong. Maybe once, uh, but not much, you know? Yeah. So, uh that passes for news. Uh, no <laughs> convention. There's, there is a convention this weekend, but there's zero comic book presence. It's mostly, it looks like a, like an anime animation type convention. I'm just glad Billy West is getting out there, you know? Right, right. The only thing that good... I saw in convention news was that uh, Baltimore added Joe Quesada, and you can get the, like the silver pass, the gold pass, and the platinum pass with Joe Quesada. So good on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, is uh, Joe doing like sketches and stuff, or is it just like okay? He, he the the platinum pass uh, gets you like he's doing a convention, like not a convention, a uh, what do you call it when he has the a, a meet, not a meet and greet, but like a, a panel. And so your platinum pass and some of the other ones get you guaranteed front row seats for them. But if you get the platinum pass, he's going to do two random sketches. That people like, uh, that people like, they're like, hey, draw this. Like, what should I draw? And yell out a bunch of things. And then he'll draw those two things. And how many platinum fans there are, he will randomly pick two fans to give those sketches to. So you're not guaranteed character and you're not guaranteed to get one. But that's like, uh, ooh, if I feel like gambling, <laughs> I'm going to take that one on Joe Quisada. Yeah. But you get like signatures and stuff like that and like uh, a limited edition lithograph or something like that from them. So, but no, no straight up like I want, you know, Daredevil kind of a thing. I heard someone uh, purposely buying tickets and attempting to pack the room to get as many people as he can to yell Azrael. <laughs> right. And as bats. Yes. So you get those two and then you get the set. That nobody wanted. <laughs> uh, but now that's a big deal. I don't think Joe Quesada has done many conventions in a long time. No. And a chance to get a sketch is, you know, I'd say a pretty big deal. I don't think he does sketches at all, you know? No, and the last time that he did was it was like obviously before pandemic and I forget what it was because I, I sent it to the fancy gentleman. Like he's doing head sketches at this but definitely there were definite like this is what they look like. They had samples. They were on this side artboard and blah blah blah. And they looked really nice. But I want to say it was comma money. He's like, if I'm gonna draw, it's gonna be comma money. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. He's a big deal. So, you know, as we get ever closer to Baltimore, uh they're announcing a lot and a lot more big guests, of course. Mm -hmm. Um I think we can plug our friends here. Yes. Uh, you could go check out the comic book shop that Todd and I both frequent. Uh, I will be there picking up my books with my mask on, regardless <laughs> of my illness. Uh, comics on the Green. Um, if you want to have uh, a, a, a subscription list because you don't have a comic book shop in your area or the comic book shop in your area stinks, 
contact the good folks at Comics on the Green and they hook you up. Uh, and also there's a chance that our good friend Becky might uh, throw a, a fancy doodle or sketch or something on your package. And you can go check out her work uh, linked in the show notes here as well on her Instagram and Twitter pages. Uh, friends of the show, Chris Runt and Jason Sandberg, both of their digital comic book offerings available, uh, respectively Battle Monsters and Jupiter available on Comixology. Rick Williams with his cool resin and glow-in-the-dark sci-fi fantasy and wrestling things are over at freekaratechops.storeenvy.com. And Kevin Hellion's uh, Masked Library website, all of his reviews of uh, classic books, thrift store finds, weird oddities and stuff like that. He hasn't done a a video in a little bit. Uh, only because his uh, weak remodel on his home is now nearing its second month. (laughs) But uh, I will be a guest on his new uh, iteration of his podcast this Thursday, Hellion Talks, uh, where I'm going to ramble on about uh, how I got into wrestling and how this podcast became the podcast that it is today. Mm Mm-hmm. So definitely check that out. Uh, and, of course, you know, that'll be linked up over at soontobenamednetwork.com as any and all of the shows that we do here. Uh, you know, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Add Oz with Wrestling, uh, Profane Arguments, Puzzle Warriors 3, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Wings on Wings, and, of course, Todd, as we record this, it is the one-year anniversary of Porch Talk. Mm. A year on the porch. It feels like only yesterday we we were recording those, Joe. You were recording those? Um, yes. I mean, sure. Uh, it says, what a year. 26 full-length episodes, multiple Patreon episodes, and tons of memories. Can't wait to see what the next year brings for the greatest podcast never recorded. Oh, never recorded. I'm sorry. Well, that's what he says. I don't know. Well, he doesn't know about my secret cameras on the porch, Joe. You guys you guys need to get on the same page with this opportunity, you know? Uh, well, you know what it is. It's hey, we had a draft this week, so you we're on board with all the cool stuff, so it was it was windy? Well, I don't follow. Yeah, it was definitely windy on the back porch this week. There was a bit of there was rain too, I think, so but good oh, times all the way. So, uh, digital, uh, sales this week. It's like a fresh slate of books here. Uh, Marvel having a sale on Black Widow stuff because there's a movie coming this week. Uh, DC having a sale on Black Label stuff, which I'm seeing a lot more Vertigo stuff in there. Um, (laughs) this may be the beginning of the end for the Vertigo branding, I think. Until Uh, the anniversary and they bring it back. Right. Uh, Dark Horse has uh, sales on Hellboy and the BPRD stuff and Masters of the Universe stuff. I think that's because the uh, new Masters of the Universe series is debuting on Netflix this week. The Kevin Smith uh, involved one, which is very strange. Yep, Mark Hamill doing Skeletor, I think. I'm okay with that. And I I think, and again, I'm not following this that much because, listen, I like He-Man and stuff, but I don't have time to, like, add a cartoon made by kevin smith to my life in 2021 maybe if it was a cartoon made by kevin smith in 2001 i could Mm -hmm. add my life 2021 it was the continuation continuation of clerks and yeah 
I, I say it's time. Um, let but me ask I, you, oh, I was going to say, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, let me ask you one quick question. How much you want to bet Skeletor sounds a little bit like Trickster from The Flash <laughs> and or Joker from Batman the Animated Series? No, I think he's going to sound more like um, whatever the name of Mark Hamill's character from Corvette Summer is. Oh. <laughs> so, um... I think I saw people lamenting online because maybe some spoilery stuff came out that the show is going to, and this could be completely unfounded speculation because that's how the internet works. um, That the show is going to be more about Tila and less about He-Man and people are upset about it. It's a stealth Tila cartoon. Yes. All right. Yeah. So, but very upset. Give me a stealth man at arms uh, thing. Like, I, I I want the story of why in the cartoon he has a mustache, but his figure doesn't. Right. Um. I just want the story of Ram Man and like him suffering from CTE because he's hit way too many things with his head. That's all. I want the story of Fisto, but I think that's going to get into NC-17 territory. Mm, add an O to the end of anything and it makes it better. That's right. <laughs> and dynamite having a sale on john carter of mars and deja thoris stuff am i pronouncing deja right yep i feel like you've said it before this is like deja vu oh boy <laughs> got some front runners for show title this week we'll talk <laughs> off air got lots of them i bet already oh, yeah uh so hey todd let's get into what we read from this past week huh Sure. You want to start with uh, crossover number seven? Uh, yeah. So uh, crossover number seven, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by a bunch of folks, mm-hmm. uh, most notably uh, Andy Parks. And this is an issue um, kind of, you know, as we know, the whole thing with crossover is this is a world where a lot of these comic book creations have come to life. And they crossed over from, uh, you know, their world into ours. And a lot of them are being sent back to their world or being hunted for whatever reason. And then most notably, comic book creators themselves are being hunted. Most notably in the series, there was a a, a big to-do that Brian K. Vaughn was hunted down and murdered in his home. Right. So this – oh, go ahead. Just a quick thing. uh, Phil Hester was doing the pencils. Oh, Phil Hester, my apologies. No problem. Um, you had Andy Park says he does he did the inks, but Phil Hester art. My apologies. Uh, I again, <laughs> we're fighting it here. No, I got gotcha. you. I'm just trying to so, get full disclosure, but yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead then. You take point on this. And no I'll problem. Chime in. <laughs> um, so basically, this is Chip Zadarsky under his real name, which I did not know. Um, he, he's like, you know, hiding, he's told his wife that he's gone. He's like cooking burgers in the small town and up in Canada. And he ends up, you know, feeling that he, the only thing he's ever been able to do is write comics. And, uh, but he's, he's worried. So he goes into this comic shop and he ends up, 
you know, getting noticed and he has a talk with the comic shop employer owner. I'm not 100% sure. And he ends up like explaining his life and he's like, he's worried who it can be. And this killer was after them. And he has some stuff and he's like all the people, you know, that they've written. It could be any of the people that they've written. And he even mentions a certain issue of sex criminals and he doesn't get to finish the story of the characters he's worried about. Um, so he goes and somebody starts following him after he leaves talking with his employee and this character shows up and he ends up having one of the most meta conversations ever. It's not the killer. It's someone who's there to protect him. And in this, me, me and you have talked many, many times about how, uh, we're on the fence about Chip Zdarsky's, uh, a persona on Twitter. And this is him discussing the differences between him and the real person and everything and it gets super meta and you know so, somebody gets gets killed and chips upset about it and then he goes to see some people to like help him figure out who this murderer is and i just have to say all that is i'll get into that but the whole bit i've like have a different view of chip zadarsky now just by reading this issue because if any of this is true or fake i don't know but it feels true and i thoroughly enjoyed this issue from beginning to end but that being said my only small problem with i think is going to go with crossover from here on out is i'm not as well known with the independent like madman some characters show up at the end of this and i i have to google them to figure out who they are and i mean if it was the main two or some of the bigger characters you'd be like oh that's so and so but some of the luster is is off it when I'm like, okay, who's this person wear, wearing that distinctive shirt? I have to go look it up. But otherwise, this is one of my favorite issues of this run. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad you went first because if I went first, I would have um, completely spoiled the twist. Mm -hmm. um, especially, you know, you're, you're given enough clues that it's a very meta uh, read, if you will. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so, like I said, I would have completely spoiled who it was. And then when you just said, like, oh, the characters that show up at the end of the book. And I'm like, was there, like, a post, like, something scene? Because I absolutely knew who those two characters was, were because I read that book. I did not. So yes. I had to go and, you know, figure it out. Uh, right. But, and, like, the, the, the thread of the story of Chip lamenting. Uh, one of the characters, and he keeps citing, uh, you know, sex criminals, and he keeps citing a specific issue. And if I was more pr less pressed for time, I would have grabbed that issue and read it and figured out who it was that they were talking about. Um, but instead of just being caught up in the moment of the book, because, you know, he's done some wild stuff with some wild characters mm -hmm. in sex criminals, you know. And uh, I would say maybe this is the wildest character of them all. Yep. It was such an interesting take. I mean, yeah. so interesting. And like, I, I think we both were looking forward to this because we were both in, both intrigued to see what Chip was going to do. And I don't think any of us were expecting that it was going to be this. And I think we were all pleasantly surprised by it. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. So again, enjoyable, great book. Uh, no spoilers. Definitely check it out. And I think uh, it kind of even stands stands on its own because um, outside of that last page, even though it's new characters, the book, there's no other characters from the previous six issues in this. Right. 
So like I said, it kind of stands on its own if you're a fan of Chip Zdarsky or if you're just a fan of uh, interesting storytelling. I say grab uh, this issue of Crossover. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, the other book that we both read uh, from this past week would be the Green Arrow 80th Anniversary 100-page Super Spectacular. Right. And uh, when they say Super Spectacular, boy, howdy, they ain't kidding. No, they're not lying. Um, it's, it's one thing to, uh, uh, like look at all these creators or me to list off everyone who worked on this book. And there's a lot of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's another thing to like, just look at that, uh, credits page at the beginning and be like, oh boy, look at all the great people that have, that are on this. And then be like, oh wait, these are all the people that have worked on green arrow in the last, like however many years that are still with us, you know? Right, um, we'll get to that in a little bit, but... Right, yeah, so I think, and I say I think as I'm looking at it myself, and again, I do apologize here, Um, at least over the last, like, 40 years, the only person who worked in a major capacity on Green Arrow that they did not get to contribute something for this book was Kevin Smith. Right, and even then, I think talk in this episode. I say, but go ahead. Yes, not enough, you know. Um, But I do think the Star City City Star story by Phil Hester Mm -hmm. kind of fills that gap. You know what I mean? Of course. So, but I mean, I mean, I'm not going to go over every story. But if I wanted to hit the highlights um, that I would hit, there's a punching evil Tom Taylor story. Uh, uh, with art by Nicola Scott. So it looks beautiful. And Joe, I mean, as, as you know, it's a story about uh, Ollie getting trained in fighting by in a boxing ring by Ted Grant, the Wildcat. Everything's back as it should be at DC, Joe. When DC's <laughs> publishing Wildcat boxing stories, you know that's the world you live in. But it's a fun story. And it's the invention of the, it shows the invention of one of, Ollie's greatest arrows. So I'm fine with that. Um, and I just, the other two that really stuck out at me were Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. I love that run from the new 52. That was a good story. And it seems like that's really his final story uh, for that arc. Uh, and I was like, okay, I thought that was really cool. But then just to take me back to the place that I love and nostalgia was uh, Mike Grell wrote and drew a story in the Longbow Hunter era of Green Arrow. And I just popped. I'm like, this is the best. And the best part about it is uh, at the end of the story, I'm trying to look for the page really quick. It just basically says like, not the end. I'm trying to see what it uh, it says right here. Um, uh, Definitely not the end. And I'm like, if they're going to do more Mike Grell, Longbow Hunter era, Green Arrow with Shadow and whatever, just shut up and take my money. So I think this was like of the 80th, like this had a lot of the big, big hits. I think maybe the, uh, the Detective 1000 might be the only one that is a bit, was a bit more jam packed than this one. Well, I think a lot of this is um, it goes to show you maybe how underrated or underappreciated mm-hmm. the last like 30 years or so or 25 years or so or 40 years or so of Green Arrow stories are and have been. It's been sneaky good. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, and it's uh, it's one thing to just kind of see it all laid out in front of you in like one handy dandy whatever. Um, but like a lot of the ancillary bits as well, like uh, Green Arrow on friendship, 
the uh, chili recipe, you know. Uh, that sort of you, stuff was fun in here, you know. Anytime you can put a recipe in a comic, whether it's Aunt uh, May's wheat cakes or Ollie's chili, I'm down for it. Right. But um, I'll just say on the last thing, the, the thing was because obviously the one name who's probably most synonymous with like the great Green Arrow stories would be Danny O'Neill. And he did not have a story in this, obviously, because he had passed. But this was written by his son, Larry. Um, and it is basically a silent story. And it starts out with, like, young Danny listening to the radio. And he has, like, his, and there's a, a word, a thought balloon. But it's in the shape of the famous hat that, like, Danny used to wear. And he's, he's imagining, like, this cowboy story. And then it's his whole life just told in panels. And the beauty of this is each panel, I understand it. And it, in them, it has all like the great characters that he's either written or invented, like Talia. It has all the big ones that are worth mentioning anyway. Um, like Talia and like doing the Green Arrow stories and him seeing the whole thing. Him even, at, it's, you know, it's a, a fact that, he, that he's discussed in his past. Him in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Um, him with his son, like growing up writing the question all this stuff, his awards he's putting up on the shelves, him seeing superheroes becoming mainstream. And then, I mean, you know, obviously, and then him passing away and the way they do him, like right up to the end, thinking up adventures. It, it, it chokes me up, Joe. This was a great story all around. Just, 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 just hits home, you know? Absolutely. And it was a very nice, looking story and again i i'm escaping who the uh artist on this was as i look at this uh jorge um, fornes yeah uh jorge fornes i'm not familiar with his art but his art his stuff is beautiful here I believe um he and as todd mentioned oops sorry he's the artist on rorschach right now i think oh, oh okay look at that so i didn't mm -hmm. even put two and two together you know right um, but the way that it's told is a silent story with the, as Todd mentioned, with the uh, word balloons, thought balloons being shaped and pictures being in them and stuff, I think is a very unique way to tell the story. At least the first time that I can remember seeing a story told in this manner. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I would, if I was DC, I would maybe make this available somewhere for free as kind of a tribute to Denny O'Neill, but I'm not in charge of that sort of stuff, you know? You know, I, Joe, honest to God, I, great minds think alike. I was thinking the exact same way. I'm like, when you have, like, that kind of talent at your – like, that's a story that, like, that should be just free on their website. You know what yes. I mean? Like, I, I agree with you. Hold on. Who's because who's clamoring? Because, you know, you have to buy that issue for whatever it is. It'll be cheaper online an 80 page or whatever, 100 page or online. Just give the Denny O'Neill story away for free. But anyway. Anyway, so that's what we read from this past week. Uh, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday at noon, we put up the poll post which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them sent to your house, uh, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, it's been a drought on the picks, but I'm still in the lead with one correct guess over Todd. Right. I think we're at the halfway mark now, so. Yeah. 
So I'm looking over your list, and is the book you're looking forward to most is the the penultimate book to the penultimate book of Immortal Hulk 48? Uh, it is uh, the penultimate to the penultimate number 48 of Immortal Hulk. And uh, check out After Dark this week for an interesting story in regards to uh, the creative team on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, book you are most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, I'm going to say that it's Nice House on the Lake number two. You know what? It actually is Nice House on the Lake number two. Uh-huh. I know you. I, I was blown away by that first issue. I was discussing that literally with the bassist the other day. He's like, and I haven't read. I said, probably the strongest number one to a book, like a maxi series in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, it's, it's a big week of stuff. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that uh, Skybound uh, X number one. I was hoping we'd get a chance to talk to him on the show this week, but my illness stood in the way as like a preview review copy. I was going to force Todd to read Snake Eyes Dead Game number five because I know he's <laughs> a big fan of the Rob. Uh, but yeah, uh, I got I, I like the prospects for next week talking about that Immortal Hulk issue in the nice house on the lake as well man i'm sad i don't get to read snake eyes dead game to see him by all those anchors that he's always wanted to work with and that's the only reason they're on the book joe it just feels nice to take that off the list you know yes it does for me especially so while you're over at longboxheroes.com be sure to check out all the other stuff that todd and i have done together whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, or uh, the smash hit sensation of Todd and Joe Have Issues, where we are looking back at the mid-2000s uh, run of Jonah Hex by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray, and the much-maligned, hoping to get it back on track, we'll see about that, uh, Spider-Clone Saga. Uh, uh, issue 35 here of Jonah Hex that we had discussed uh, with art by J.H. Williams, the great J.H. Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of double page spreads in this, you know, which I think is uh, his cup of tea. Right. Uh, interesting to see J.H. Williams' arts with a, a different color palette and colored differently because obviously you've probably seen a lot of jh williams stuff on let's say promethea before this uh from america's best comics line or batman specifically batwoman stuff after this where the promethea is a lot more bright and yellows and purples and stuff like that and batwoman was a lot more blacks and reds where this is you know as a jonah hex story is going to be lots of yellows and browns and grays but I, you know, J.H. Williams gets his color palette in there, you know? Mm-hmm. So this story is, uh, there is a shootout, a heist, uh, a group of, uh, it, it's not a sh- it's not the sheriff this time, is it? I, I think he's just like, I, he might be a sheriff or a deputy. He has the star on. Okay, so it is yet another issue of Jonah and a lawman. Coming to some sort of terms, Jonah assists this lawman take down a bunch of banditos or bandits or what have you. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, so he is a marshal. My apologies. Yep. So uh, obviously, Jonah only cares about the money. Uh, 
And the guy's like, well, it's late and the banks are closed. Uh, I'm not going to be able to pay you right now, but come on back to my house. And, uh, you know, you look like a man who could use a home cooked meal. And I'm like, here we go. It's another instance of Jonah getting, you know, swindled by a lawman and then having to do (laughs) his usual shootout. I'm like, we've been here dozens of times before, but there was a twist um, Mm -hmm. where Jonah is brought to the guy's house and the guy's wife, much younger wife, makes him a very nice home cooked meal. Uh, we get two issues of Jonah Hex in a row that there's plot points involving uh, different types of fruit pies. <laughs> right. I'm surprised they never had a, a Jonah Hex fruit pie ad, Joe. Well, listen, there's still time for some sort of hostess knockoff to do a Jonah Hex whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So where the twist comes in is um, the old marshal and his young bride are unable to have children. Um, she wants to have children. Uh, he is unable to assist with that for whatever reasons. So their plan is there's, they're going to, uh, attempt to convince Jonah to assist them with this. Mm-hmm. And again, this is the family friendly show. Um, and when Jonah disagrees, they drug him and then they try to take advantage of poor Jonah. Yes, sir. Goes and, as well as you would expect. Right. And it goes as well as you would expect. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, these folks, um, you know, are shown to be, I guess, I don't want to say the monsters, but the desperate people that they are. Jonah gets his money and then rides away from this town, probably never to hear from these people again. Right. Uh, you had tweeted out, if I could guess what your favorite panel of this is. Yep. Uh, is this the one where the lady is saying, uh, uh, you know, about getting his pants off and she's no, standing above no. him? No, no. Okay. Um, there, uh, my favorite panel, and it's because J.H. Williams is looking as as an artist. Um, you know him having the hole in his face, and it's him eating the meal and having to wipe away the food that's leaking out of the size of side of his face because it's never like um, it's never like really talked about like or anything like that. And he understands the way Jonah's face is. Everybody thinks. That Jonah's face, that drip that's like coming down his melted flesh that melted and stuck to the bottom lip. It's not. It's There's a hole in his face, and then that bit of skin is the edge of his mouth. So when he draws them, he draws them and he understands that the mouth is a little disfigured because it's, it's sagging or whatever. I don't know how to explain it because this isn't a visual show, but it works really well. And I always equate it to boost, uh, Blue Beetle putting his fingers under his goggles after the one punch because he needs to wipe his eyes. And if you have to wipe your eyes, you got to put them under goggles. And it's little things like that, as stupid as it is. I love that panel because no other artist was like, you know what about Jonah Hex? And that happens. So love it. Uh, So, yeah, you bring up a good point. Obviously, um, very few people draw that as a hole in his face and they draw it more as just like a weird like skin thing Mm -hmm. and uh i didn't even uh look at it in the way that you look at it you know as i look at that panel right now and you know joan is just a kind of you know mopping that up as it spills out of the side of his face is very uh you know it's a take that now some 35 issues into doing this i don't see uh, no no other artist has done exactly and 
and Joe, just because I I've read it longer, like in the '92 issue run before it, and the uh, the Vertigo miniseries, like nobody has done it. So like I'm at 200 issues, or like actually like 150 issues. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. So yeah, that's why it stuck out for me. So, so now it's time for you to dive into the last two issues here of uh, Peter or Spider-Man: The Lost Years two and three. Uh, this uh, adventure for uh, Ben Riley and Kane uh, in Salt Lake City, Utah, and how that's all going, and how their lives with Detective What About Me, What About Raven have intertwined. Right. So Detective What About Me, What About Raven is uh, has been kidnapped by the the mafia mob that he's been investigating. So Ben from last issue has decided to try and help him. So he's doing his best, uh, you know, Netflix daredevil impression. And he puts like the wraps his face up and everything and goes out to to do the thing. And he ends up saving him um, while this is going on. Kane is, you know, d- thinking to himself about like the pain that he's in because his body is, you know, is going to, you know, degenerate from the clone stuff and how uh, Luis Kennedy is his only hope for like, you know, hope kind of and happiness. Um, And the main mobsters in, in jail, uh, but they, and he had them blow up detective Raven's family and house. Um, But I guess they only got the mother but the kid lives. So he's like, I'm going to take care of it personally, which is something that I'll discuss a little bit later. Um, so uh, Peter get, or Ben gets his job. Um, and while he's there, he ends up running into the, uh, the waitress at the diner again, who at this point, Joe, because it's, you know, it's going kind of well. Um, when do we find out she's a clone of Mary Jane or any kind of clone at all? Does that happen? No, it does not. Okay, because do you see how my mind could immediately go there? Uh, I, I feel as though it's a very conscious decision for them to be drawing that character to be the spitting image of Mary Jane Watson. Right, because that's why he's attracted to her. But, you know, I just, I was like, I'm waiting for some sort of clone thing with her. Um so, uh, like, you know, uh, Luis and, and Kane are, like, discussing their love. And he's like, you're not the same as I am. You're a, you're a different person kind of a deal. You're not a monster like me. Um, then Detective Raven's kid gets kidnapped. Uh, and we find out a little bit about the waitress. Like, the waitress is like, no, like, this is going well. We went, you know, for dinner or whatever. But I can't let you into my life. So... Uh, ben being upset decides to go out on the town and and look into stopping the, the 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 crime wave and the people who attacked Raven's family um and he ends up at a like warehouse where they're you know doing criminal stuff and he basically just busts in to stop them um and Kane shows up at the same time and he starts fi- like this is all weird while this is all going on the book is told in the most confusing fashion because it keeps now it's jumping from being told by Ben, by Detective Raven, and by Kane, but all from the future perspective. And I and spoiler alert, when we get to the last issue, it's never explained who they're telling the story to. So they're just telling the story. Um Jam's good, but just the way this is told in flashbacks, I'm like, I don't understand any of it. 
Um, so uh, Luis Kennedy shows up to help uh, Ben, so we think, who's being busted up in a fight with Kane. And Ben gets like the better room. There's people with guns on him. And you think Luis Kennedy's going to save him. And he doesn't. He's like, I'm here. Uh, I'm going to do the killing. So at this point, I'm like, is she a you know a bad person or is she just doing the undercover bit trying to help him you know what i mean and we'll see where that is later but not a lot happens in this book other than the stuff that i mentioned and it's i'm just i'm just so confused at this point and don't care do you have any notes on the first issue joe uh so my my notes are across both uh issues you know because they all read together okay um but yeah so now we're at the point where, like i said the, the narrative is quote unquote clear um, that this is allegedly taking place in the narration is taking place in current day. The story is taking place three years prior in their continuity. But now the fact that we have three different narrators across this is very confusing. Right. And the way they do their, uh, their dialogue in the bubble, not they're not bubbles, but they're the text boxes. They're different to at least show who's doing them but then they start changing color and i'm like you're so i'm so confused as to who's talking each time you know what i mean um and also i missed that kane's finally his his degeneration has kicked in like at this point he's looking all like kane like uh like like bloody like i don't know like he's his his skin has lesions or whatever i'm not 100 percent sure but he's losing his mind from the pain um, also like the, uh, right now we're on issue three, uh, Raven's kids there. And even Kennedy's like, we'll do it, but get the kid out of here. Um, so you think, okay, I'm thinking like she's, she's helping them. They end up getting, uh, the kid out of there, but then Kane busts in again and he's like tearing up the joint. And, uh, I, this is a really w- weird book. They get away. Uh, the the main guy gets away, and it is the guy who left prison. It's the mob boss. I don't know how he got out. They never explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just there. He's, he's well. Leaving. It's it's kind of shown that he's got people working for him on the inside, but right, right. They still never show how he gets out. Like they're helping him and they're doing stuff for him while he's in prison, but they don't explain why or how he gets out. Right, but at least when Peter escaped prison, they explained it. I understand he's the main guy in the story of this clone saga, if that makes any sense. But it's just like, oh, like, yeah, I talked to this guy. I have some some pool in here. And he just, just walks out of prison. I don't know. It's like I have to dispel uh, disbelief, but that that's too much for me. Um, so Ben ends up saving the little boy. And taking him back to uh, Raven, who, you know, is like, who's, who, that kind of part is kind of cool. Because he's like, giving up on everything. And uh, he's like, but here's your kid. And he's like, well, what about my partner? He's like, ah, she's okay. Um, Because he doesn't have the heart to tell him that she's turned, I don't know, like, she's in, in league with the mobsters. At this point, I'm like, she's definitely in league. And that's the only part of this story that I care about is that this whole time Detective uh, Raven was trying to get justice for his partner and I felt bad for him. But now I even feel worse because she was a dirtbag. But uh, like 
the rest of this I, I don't care for so as much as like Ben goes to see the waitress again. She ends up cleaning him up because he's all busted up. She tells him the story that she's not who she says she is. She's under an assumed name. That's why I never use her name because I can't keep track of the name sometimes. And she was abused by her father. And one night she just gave up and ended up like when he came in, he, he attacked her and she ended up killing him. So she's on the run. Um, the, and Kane shows up now with Luis, with her mob boss. He ends up killing him, doing the, the Kane thing. Like, he's all disfigured and everything. So he goes off with her. Uh, I'm, I'm doing this book a disjustice, but it's all over the place. Um, Raven. Now, Raven, for some reason, is on the case of the, the waitress. Um, that's never been mentioned before, but he's chasing her down, ends up running into uh, Ben at the restaurant with her. And he's like, I'm going to take you in. Um, and uh, Kennedy's with him now. And she ends up sh- like going to shoot him, but he ends up using his spider powers to get away. And at this point, Raven's starting to realize, hmm, there's something up with my partner. She may be on the take. Um, Kane shows up to kill Ben Riley again for reasons that I'm not really understanding. They go running off into the desert and Kane just ends up killing, uh, Luis Kennedy. And he ends up obviously doing the mark of Kane this time for the first time and getting Ben in trouble because that leaves all the, the stuff. Like he takes the gun that he had the Kane does the, the, the fingerprints. It's all in the story. I will give them that everything was set up in this over most of the clone saga. So, uh, you know, he ends up leaving and Raven never sees Kane actually do it. Or actually, I don't even know if he even sees what Kane looks like kind of a deal. Cause he's all messed up from the lesions and Ben and his, the waitress end up leaving. And this is where Raven decides he's going to take up the case and go after him. I'm sorry. That was really disjointed, but this issue really messed with my mind. I hated these two issues the way they were told okay it was very disjointed but i get where you're coming from and i get the issues that you had i was with it for the most part because i know you know i've read this before okay Mm -hmm. the thing that i did not like about this was the out of nowhere last half of the third issue where all of a sudden raven had been working on the case of the waitress Mm mm-hmm that was never mentioned in the previous two issues whatsoever. And it wasn't even mentioned in that last issue until just out of nowhere. This is how we need to get all these people in the same room together. Right. If they had at least, cause she was under an assumed name, Joe, right? Like the waitress was this name. If during this whole thing, they were like, Oh, we're working on this mob case and this murder case of so-and-so we wouldn't know who she was because she's under an assumed name. You know what I mean? Like right. there's so there was so many ways around it. You're, yeah, but like I said, the only thing I did like was that Lou, that the detective Raven's partner was a dirtbag. Right. Um, but obviously, we get the bit that is not explained until this point either, because De- Detective Raven is on the hunt for the person who killed his partner, and it's here that we learn that the partner is dirty, uh, Kennedy. But it's the fact of like. He's a detective. All the clues are right there screaming in his face. And he just doesn't want to believe it because, you know, it's his partner, right? Mm -hmm. Just like when Kane finds out that she's working for the mob, he doesn't want to believe it as well because, 
you know, she's like, oh, we're both monsters. And he's like, no, I'm a monster on the outside. And then he has to learn the lesson that she was a monster on the inside, you know, <laughs> whatever. Right. And then along the way, I'm not sure because Kane is telling it in the past that he knows Ben's the real one. So I'm I'm not sure if he knows at this time, too. Do you know what I mean? It's just very confusing. Right. The way the narration, and we talked about this last time, the way Kane's narration, which is supposed to be present day, makes it believe that as he's telling the story he knew then, the whole time, that Ben was the real Peter Parker. Yeah. And he was doing everything that he was doing so that our Peter, the Peter that we had been reading since 1975, um, had been a clone so that he could prove that a clone could live a normal life. Mm -hmm. Which, you want to tell the story of this early adventure with Ben and Kane? Fine. You want to tell why Detective Raven is after them both? Fine. You want to now have to retrofit into it that Kane always knew that Ben was the real one and Peter was the clone, that's where everything falls apart. Yep. And that's where I think a lot of the next couple issues are going to have to, you know, having to explain all that away. And then from the issue of Spectacular Spider-Man, uh, where Peter swats pregnant Mary Jane away. And I think really early on in this, they just kind of like hand wave it away and they never mention it again, mm -hmm. which shouldn't happen in the first place. They put themselves in a position where they have to explain this. And a lot of the next couple issues are them just trying to fix the mess that they've made. They've made a mess. I hadn't noticed Joe. Yeah. Um, so next week, uh, we only have one issue each, of course, uh, with Jonah Hex, it's easy. It's issue 36. But for Spider-Man, the Spider-Clone saga, we have to read, Todd, or I say we get we have the privilege of getting to read <laughs> Spider-Man Maximum Clonage Alpha. No, Joe, you please tell me Maximum Clonage is the only is the the peak of of the amount of clones and the clone numbers will deteriorate because we're going to be at maximum clonage. Well, I'll say this. Over the next one, two, three, four weeks of reading Maximum Clonage, mm -hmm. the number of clones ramp way, way up. Okay. And then after it's over, there's not any new clones for a while. Oh, good. But, but maybe may some be... old ones stick around, you know? And maybe clones I don't even know about, right? Right. <sighs> So uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out uh, our store. Um, you can get shirts and pins and stickers uh, with our fancy logo on them. You can head over to our Tee Public store, uh, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. And you can find uh, designs based on this show, After Dark, uh, we, uh, uh, Add-Ons with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Plays. Uh, honoring the Jingle Meister, David Kincannon, <laughs> who does the uh, show clothes for us, the soon to be named Network Stinger, all sorts of stuff for all sorts of people on the network and off the network. Uh, there's no T Public sale for another two weeks, so you know, save up a couple bucks when everything's 35% off. You can hit us up then. Uh, you can also sign up for the Patreon uh, as little as a dollar a month. Um, you can get the two shows from Todd and I, uh, one, six never seen movies where I assign Todd, 
uh, six movies and that he's never seen. He assigns me six movies I've never seen. We alternate months and we discuss. Uh, I recently just watched something. Uh, 20-minute retrospecticus of one of the movies that's been on the list for you since day one. Okay. And I'm, I have decisions to make regarding the movie of how I'm assigning it to you. Right. But I'm like, oh boy, I'm so excited to assign you this movie. All right. <laughs> the, the joy in your voice on this. I have no idea with uh, how you, how you mean how you're gonna assign this movie to me. Are you gonna like send me a note in class? Do you think this movie's pretty or something like that? I don't know. Like you'll you'll understand when we get there. Okay. Uh, also, uh, previewing the past, where we look at uh, 30 years ago that month's previews catalog. Uh, I have uh, also, thanks to Todd doing the work of the scans, I've been uploading the issues of previews. Uh, I think I have April, May, and June of 1991 up. Of course, I'm going to make a more concerted effort to get the month that we're talking about up as we get those up. And I know that we had a bunch of new Patreon uh, folks this past week sign up. Thank you very much. Um, you know, we'll talk more about the Patreon a little bit later on in the show, I think. Uh, another way that you can help us out, of course, is making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through at the top of the page at Longbox Heroes. Uh, does not cost you anything extra they call it an advertising fee i call it the thing that makes todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the advertising fee mm -hmm. uh some of the notable purchases uh through the click through this week uh is it never ends a memoir a memoir with nice memories by tom sharpling uh mm -hmm. somebody also purchased half finger hillbilly wrist guard gloves Ooh. Uh, I don't know if they're getting ready to do some uh, big evil MMA, you know, with their shooter gloves, but good luck to you. Right. Uh, somebody also purchased patella knee, uh, patella tendon knee straps and thumb compression arthritis gloves. And I didn't Ooh. know someone was buying me gifts. I was going to say, somebody's falling apart. These are gifts for Joe. Yes. Uh, but thank you for any and all of the purchases. This is through the uh, click-through. Uh, this past week, this past month, this past forever, uh, it's greatly appreciated, of course. Uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We had two um, from Rebecca. We had another mermaid, which was a nice piece, which is more like a half-finished mermaid, like like mostly the top all colored. And then as you get down into it, it's like, you know, more uh, the, the roughs of the tail and everything like that. But nice. I like the... The, the red and the blue, the, 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 the colors, the way they contrast on that. I really like that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, as you mentioned, it's an unfinished work in progress sort of thing. Um, I can almost tell the type of colored pencils that she used in making those from the hair and the skin and the everything else. Right. And uh, the fact that you can still see some of the pencil lines under there. Uh, like I said, I love seeing the process on stuff like this. Right. And also we have from Corey Bo Davis. Um, he's finished framing these bad boys. Let the office work continue. And he has looks like two Hellblazer pages, um, John Constantine. And it looks like a sw Swamp Thing cover. And if that Swamp Thing cover is the genuine article of Bernie Wrightson, if he wants to send that to my house, I feel free in that nice, nice frame. Because 
Joe, I don't want to tell him, so I'm going to whisper it. All right. Bernie rights and covers are worth a lot of money. So <laughs> I would just, you know, that's not like nobody's going to want that, Corey. Send that to me. Nobody's going to want that. Oh, my I God. don't know. It's like, look at all yellowed like that. I'd guess that that's probably uh, an OG. Um, I zoom in on that. Um, yeah, I don't know, Todd. I think that might be an OG. Mm, well, nobody's going to want OG. Old stuff? Who wants that, Joe? They want the new stuff. Yeah, yeah. Something from the 90s or even the 2000s. You know, that's when I, art really was mm-hmm. beautiful stuff. Call me when you got some first appearances of Cable. But no, uh, just, yeah. Uh, my God. Congratulations, big man. That's all I got to say. So, uh, yeah, that's really nice stuff. Um, when I see nice frames, stuff like that pop up, it always makes me like, oh, I need some more, you know? Right. I but, uh, original say. art costs money. I'm not sure if you, you heard. Oh, I almost pulled the trigger on some stuff this week, so yes. Oh. But this is, I'm being financially responsible, Joe, you know? Oh, you're the one. <laughs> yeah, somehow it fell to me. Are you the so, one that keeps hacking Adam's account saying that he's being financially responsible? And then yes, he's like, oh, I have 13 purchases this week. Someone on Porch Talk has to have money, Joe. They have to keep the light on on the porch. That's true. Uh, so uh, I guess that's the end of the main part of the show. Uh, let's get into uh, the TV from this week, uh, mm-hmm. which was uh, episode four of Loki, right? As you mentioned at the top of the show, uh, which we'll call it was uh, off this week. Yep, Legends tomorrow, hiatus for the fourth of July. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, Owen Wilson's character is back. Right. I almost want to say Lightning McQueen, you know. Right. Were you distracted again? I am distracted. I'm just distracted by his voice. You know, right. I, I forget who I was talking to. They're like, oh no, the haircut and the mustache really hides who owen wilson is and i'm like i don't know owen wilson kind of sticks out like a sore thumb you know yeah and i mean that in a good way you know right he sticks out like a sore thumb with a mustache a sore thumb with a mustache (laughs) yes um so uh this is essentially loki and sylvie attempting to explain to owen wilson and the other uh, TVA agents that they were not created by the timekeepers. They were not created by the TVA. That they themselves um, are, are um, variants. Variants that are essentially being reprogrammed to work for the TVA, right? Right. And then it's the one, and again, I think it's it, because they refer to them as like mostly as like numbers and letters. Is it? Uh, B-15? I believe so. So she, B-15, grabs Sylvie and brings her back to uh, the end of episode two where they were at that like weird like Walmart type thing where there was going to be like a big devastation event. Right, the Roxxon cart or whatever it is. Yes, uh, and Sylvie thinks it's going to be to like make her pay for what she had done because uh tom hiddleston low-key is being like in a time loop where he consistent continually just gets kneed in the groin by sif mm-hmm. uh but b15 is like show me show me um my memories 
You know, I know you could do it. Show me. And she does. We don't get to see what she sees, but that's all B-15 needs to convince her to help Sylvie and Loki as they are brought before the Time Masters. And it's all discovered that the Time Masters are just essentially like robots set up there and they aren't even real. And mm-hmm. this is where, of course, we get a little bit more of Ravona's maybe more sinister uh, dealings. Well, As before we, that, we found out Ramona was sinister because she had Owen Wilson pruned. Well, I was going to say, Owen Wilson gets pruned. Tom Hiddleston low-key gets pruned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, that's how we deal with, uh, you know, these variant branches that come off the timeline. We prune them, which mm-hmm. I think is fantastic uh, uh, verbiage for that, right? Right. But then... Uh, obviously, as Sylvia's left to her own devices, uh, we get quite the post-credit sequence. Right. Before we get to the post-credit sequence. Right. I think we'll, we'll cover everything else, and then we'll come back to that. Because there's a bit where Owen Wilson doesn't believe, and he's talking with Loki, and he's like, you're full of, you're full of crap. And he's get, putting, her, putting him back into the Sif thing. And he's like, you're going to be there alone. And he knows something's up. So he steals the, the ladies uh, who's in charge, her like iPod, let's call it, or whatever, iPad or whatever. And he sees that they're, that they're variants. So now he believes Loki. But in that, he says, like, you're so narcissistic that the only person you love is, is yourself. So you love Sylvie? Um, and we see Syl- a bit of Sylvie's or- origin, who's Rick's daughter on... Walking Dead. I found that interesting. Um, do you think that Sylvie's actually a female Loki? No. Because they love each other? No, you don't think so? Uh, no, I think she's another Asgardian something. Um, but, you know, we got that bit at the beginning where she's been the one that Ravona's been after this whole time. When right. Ravona was just a field agent, the little girl got away. Right, because my take on this, and this is stupid, but nobody seems to be mentioning it. And I understand Lokis are tricksters, and you know, it's a it's a uh, TV show about time travel and Asgardian gods. But I can't wrap my head around why young Loki, who Ravona goes to get, has black hair, mm-hmm. and Sylvie has blonde hair. I don't know if they're not the same person. Like that's something I'm hung up on. That I don't see anybody talking about. So, but I know there was a storyline to actually who the female Loki was at one point, and I think we're veering into that territory. And if you don't know who it is, don't go look it up because it'll be interesting. Nope, I'm not going to look it up. Right. So, but yes, that's that's the one thing that I kind of thought where uh, you know they can't be. I don't think they're going to go with you know Loki's in love with himself. That just seems too too obvious. So. Yes, I agree. Anything- Anything else you want to discuss before we get to the after credit scene? No, uh, I thought this was a good episode. Right. So then Loki, who's obviously been pruned, um, he's like, you know, then we have the after credit scene. He's laying down. And he's like, he's waking up and there's somebody's telling him to wake up. And he's like, am I in hell? Um, and if you do it with the subtitles on hell is spelled with only one L the way the Asgardians do. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Um and he's like, either like, no, but you you hear, you know, but you will be if you don't get up. And he turns over and it's, I believe they call him boisterous Loki, who's like a, a black Loki with a hammer. There's young kid Loki, boy Loki. There's old man, like the classic 
Avengers 4 Silver Age Loki. And then there's Loki Gator, which is the best. So um, we don't know what's going on. So there's just a bunch of Lokis. Yeah, so the one that you mentioned is Boastful Loki is what they refer to him as. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Classic Loki is played by uh, Star of Hudson Hawk, Richard E. Grant. Also, for a short time, an animated Ninth Doctor, which they totally disavow. Oh, okay. Yep. When the Eighth Doctor had happened with your buddy, uh, the Master, uh, they did a. They did. They were going to continue Doctor Who with Flash animation because it was cheaper, and okay. they had Richard Grant do the voice and made it look like him. And then shortly after that, they rebooted the show to the one that's like you know 13 seasons or the 13th Doctor now. So they're just like. Uh, that never happened, but I know the voice instantly when I hear it. Mm-hmm. And I popped large for classic Loki in the classic outfit, Joe. Oh my yeah. God. Looked so, so good. It was a fun post credit sequence. The only thing that I'll say in regards to it is I feel as though Marvel, both in their comics and in their movies and their TV shows, rely too much on like the army of blanks from the different timelines all getting together lately okay i i thought it was fun i'm sure it'll work out just fine but i'm like we it started with spider-man into the multiverse where it's like the team of the different multiverse spider-men we're just coming off of all these 616 universe uh mephistos teaming up at the end of heroes return and now we're going to have the Legion of Loki, I guess. Well, you know what? I don't count anything that's in a comic because people don't read those, Joe. Yeah. So. <sighs> I read was, them, though. You know, it was interesting. And once one thing too is, I guess it's somebody pointed out that it's looks like a busted up New York because the Avengers towers in the background all knocked to heck. Oh, so, interesting. Right, so I don't know if it's an alternate parallel, like, t- uh, you know, a divergent timeline or whatever, but I'm interested to see it. And I hope they make Richard E. Grant the one true Loki. <laughs> if that's what we get out of all of this, uh, then I'm all for it as well. Absolutely. Or, or Loki Gator, one or the other. <sighs> Loki Gator. <laughs> <sighs> all right, so... Uh, sadly, uh, that's the show this week, mm-hmm. but, uh, obviously since we're a little under, uh, you know, cause we didn't have a ton to go over and I'm not feeling well, um, I don't know. I feel as though we could get away with doing this just as a show, you know, we're over an hour, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but, uh, we're not going to do that. We talked about it beforehand. Um, if. You are so inclined. Um, as a bonus, we're going to tack onto this episode the January 1990 previewing the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a free bonus to you, the listeners of this, uh, one to make up for kind of the limited uh, amount of actual show this week. You know, like I said, me being sick and there not being a ton to talk about in the world of comic books this week. And also as a way to, like, say, hey, listen, if you're not a Patreon member, you know, listen to this. If you like it, sign up. You can get more of this. 
for as little as a buck a month. Obviously, Patreon folks uh, have already heard this. Uh, maybe it's an opportunity to listen to it again, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. So, uh, like I said, thanks for bearing with us. Uh, you know, I, we make no excuses, just uh, lame answers as to why the show is short, but uh, hopefully giving you a little bit of extra here with the Patreon show more than makes up for it. Yes, sir. So for Todd, this is Joe closing out uh, the main part of episode 562 of Longbox Heroes. Uh, we'll see you all here next week and stick around for that uh, previewing the past January 1990. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boo! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of our two Patreon-exclusive shows. Uh, if you are a Patreon at any level, you do get both these shows. Uh, the other show, of course, Babbling Brooks, where we discuss the films of Mel Brooks. This one, Previewing the Past, where we look at this uh, month's previews catalog from 30 years ago. Joe and Todd here. Todd, are you ready? To That's thumb right. through this uh, issue of previews. We are. We did a previewing the preview of the past, but now this is the real previewing the past. That's right. Um, you know, I'm sure you heard the um, initial one that went up on all the free feeds and everywhere else to give everyone a taste, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a good dealer, comic yes. dealer, I mean. So as I had uh, mentioned when we discussed this on the other shows, we're in kind of a transitional period in the world of comics, right? Mm-hmm. Where the comic industry saw a little bit of a boon from the Batman movie, which had just come out about seven months prior to this. Right, sometime in 89. Right, but that's one movie that's not going to be able to lift all boats. So what are we going to do between now and then? Well, mm. this, is, this is kind of a roadmap to that. I wonder what it could be. That's right. So if you look at the cover, which is the uh, show art for this, it's uh, Fantagraphics put out a book uh, celebrating their previous 10 years of stuff uh, with a bunch of different books from a bunch of creators that are still kicking around today, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. And they are offering it in both hardcover or softcover and touting... Uh, that the back cover art of their best comics of the b- decade book is going to be done by this l- little-known comics creator called Matt Groening. I wonder if he ever went on to do anything. Well, you know, it's it's literally right around the time of this coming out. This, you know, because January or the the you know the previews usually comes out like the final week of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, and this technically would be coming out at the final week of the month, I think. The third episode of The Simpsons would be airing on TV as this is getting into people's hands. Right, the actual Simpsons Simpsons, not the Tracy Ullman Simpsons. Right, the actual Simpsons television show, yes. Right, and he would he would wait around in that for a while, and then he had Futurama, and then he hit it big with Disenchantment on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really when he made his money. I'm still waiting for an Akbar and Jeff cartoon. You know, we talked about that last time. Ah, true. I would I would watch an, a, an Admiral Akbar and Jeff something. Yeah.
So, uh, I don't know. How are we going to do this since we're looking through the things and you have kind of the digital edition and I have the physical copy? I say we just go because I have mine set up that uh, as I swipe left, the pages turn. Okay. So, if we go inside the uh, front cover here, uh, there's an ad there for a book entitled Any Similarity to Persons Living or Dead is Purely Coincidental. Uh, And they put over that this is done by Drew Friedman, who actually just had a documentary made about him Mm -hmm. uh, recently. You would know his art as soon as you saw it. It does a very uh, photorealistic kind of art style. Right. And uh, this is an upgraded third edition with new covers, so on and so forth. And then it mentions that he's a contributor of Spy, Raw, Blab, Weirdo, Prime Cuts, and National Lampoon's magazines. I've heard of one of those. I remember Spy Magazine. I loved Spy Magazine. I remember Raw. I believe Raw was where uh, Art Spiegelman was doing Mouse before it was all collected. Oh, interesting. Right, which I think is later on, actually, in this previews, because that comes around again, because the way Mouse was put out was crazy. You know what I mean? Like, he went on hiatus because he had, like, a bit of a breakdown doing it and everything. It was it was weird. But I'm pretty sure it was Raw that it was in. So we have our Gems of the Month. We have uh, Daredevil marked for death. Uh, Beauty and the Beast 2. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. And uh, Ghost Rider number one. Yes, sir. We'll talk More about on that, that later. I was just going to say when we get there. Yep. Uh, so we get page two of the inside. Of course, we have the insider information, which uh, we got such a kick out of last time, where it's essentially them, uh, the diamond folks, giving some insider information to the dealers in mm-hmm. regards to certain things that they could pick up or check out or right. what have you. Right. How and- to push certain titles that, or the way they believe that you could market certain titles in your shop. Yes, I look at Bertram Studios, another adult, bagged, slash tame version, comic enters the ring this month with Fanta the Jungle Girl. The adult, quote-unquote, version will display naked breasts, no X-rated scenes, while (laughs) the regular version will show them covered. (laughs) Covers will be identified, or covers will be identical. This comic should appeal to your leather and lace fans. Weren't they a glow tag team? They were. I think they, they feuded with Hollywood and Vine. Ah, yes. Okay. But no, I, think, I, I since they were printing this, they put leather and lace fans. They could have just put uh, your uh, attention deficit criminals. Oh boy. But yeah, later on, I actually had that marking zone that they have the, the differences in the way you can get the books like adult and non-adult. And I'm like, Come on, man. That's like that's like going to a, a steak place and just ordering all like salad. It's like it's just a waste to even buy those edited versions. Uh, so Dark Horse, you know, nothing huge going on. Uh, there's a lot going on over at DC and we're not going to like go to page like it's like continued on page 84. And just for ease of use, I'm not going to we're not going to go there until we get there. You know, right. right sure. Uh, but it says, following the events of Batman Year One. Uh, I, I'm sure a day will come where DC won't really rely on that one too heavily. 
And uh, they mentioned a book called The Butcher, which we'll get to a little bit later on. Uh, crossover with the Legion of Superheroes and Legion 90. Uh, annuals of Green Arrow. Hawk and Dove are starring in New Teen Titans. And then it says, Sales on Arkham Asylum, written by Grant Morrison, were phenomenal. <laughs> Use this as a sales tool to increase sales on Animal Man and Doom Patrol, both of which are also written by Grant Morrison. These two titles are consistently well-written, usually come in on the same day every month, and are growing in overall sales. You can significantly impact sales on these two books by promoting them. Did you wink into the microphone when you said uh, constantly well-written, Joe? Listen, this is back in the time where even you might even uh, admit begrudgingly that Grant was at the, uh, I would say, uh, not quite at the height of his powers, but getting to the height of his powers. Well, let's just say, I will give you Animal Man, okay. except for the, the Coyote Roadrunner issue, which everybody says is the greatest thing ever. Complete trash. Um, and Doom Patrol... Maybe that uh, DC Universe TV show is really good, but his Doom Patrol was unreadable. I, I mean, like I always say, when it comes to Grant, it's one out of ten for me. And neither of those were the one. They were the nine. Gotcha. So, And I know we said we're going to go over to page 84 a little bit later on, but I would be remiss not to mention this little thing that rolls over from the bottom of page 2 to 84. Sandman has shown some fa some of the fastest sales <laughs> growth on a new title. You could help capitalize on this growth by actively promoting issue 16, which is the much-awaited conclusion of the Dollhouse storyline. Hmm. Eh. I'm sure we won't hear anything about that Sandman book ever again. Like Neil always said, he goes, oh, I thought I'd get eight good issues, get to my death story, and then they tell me to wrap it up with, in 12. So I had a plan to do it seven, you know, 75 issues later. <laughs> you know, it's one of the greatest regarded comics in the history of, you know, comics. Mm -hmm. Now we have uh, here, over on page three, coming items. We've already missed the uh, order deadline of J January 20th, but that's okay. Oh, all right. Our our local shopkeep can kind of fudge those numbers for you. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, we had questioned about, you know, what's the comic industry going to do to capitalize on the success of the Keaton and Nicholson Burton Batman film? Well, it says here, March is going to be big for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fans as New Line Cinema releases the live action movie in honor of its release. We'll be featuring a great assortment of merchandise uh, each highlighted by the Turtles logo. Look for the logo throughout this book. How crazy is that? Right. That with how big DC is, how big Marvel was, Dark Horse, all these other things, that the next movie to capitalize on it, mm. beating Dick Tracy to the punch by two months, Ooh. is Ninja Turtles. Oh, you're stepping on stuff I'm, I'm wait, I can't wait to get to. I'm right. with you. Well, I can't wait to get to it either, but you know what I'm saying. Right, and I tell you, boy howdy, as a as a listener to this podcast, I say take a drink anytime me or Joe mention the turtle, like something on the page about the turtles as we go, because there are more than a few turtle references throughout this previews. Right, and I'm going to ask you uh, to stop me as we go, of course, just in case. Oh, sure. 
So nothing much else on uh, page three. Of course, more Cerebus stuff, some reprints of old issues mm-hmm. uh, there. Over on page four, we move to. There's something uh, here that I'm really looking forward to talking about. On page um, four? Yes, and that's Lash LaRue Western number one. <laughs> This collector edition reprints three classic Western tales, two in color, one in black and white, featuring the king of the bullwhip, Lash LaRue. And and included is a special photo section on Lash. And here's my favorite line, Joe. And a how-to-order Lash LaRue memorabilia. I want I want more Lash LaRue memorabilia because it's still one of my favorite quotes from Pulp Fiction is still, how about you, Lash LaRue? Can you keep your spurs from jingling and jangling? And I never knew what that was. And if I had known there was a magazine in 1990 called Lash LaRue Western, I would have bought all of them, Joe. I thought you were going to go somewhere else with a Lash LaRue remark. But anyway, no, I, I would never. So we have over on page five a full print ad for the Deadly Game Begins in March of Cat and Mouse, written by Roland Mann, uh, art by Mitch Bird, Stephen Butler, covers by Paul Gulacy, and an introduction by Steve Englehart. Again, I always like to remark a lot of these people are still working in the comic industry today. I'm a big Paul Gulacy man. I love his artwork. So right. That 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 cover pops for me. Uh, so over on page six, uh, we have uh, Aerosel, is how you pronounce that? Yeah. Okay, so the publisher, they're the ones that put out that leather and lace that they had mentioned before in trying to get you to buy those sex pervert comics. Mm-hmm. Or the, the the ones that have no sex perversion in them. Those are the tame ones. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of like in nestled in their solicitations. Uh, you know, issue three of a three-issue miniseries of some book called Men in Black. That's right, a little little book that can do. <laughs> uh, Archie has a bunch of stuff, and they have a full-page ad here on page 7 uh, to capitalize, I guess, on the 1990 uh, popularity of Challenges of the Unknown as they are the explorers of the unknown. Mm-hmm. We got yeah, nothing on that. <laughs> Up until Mark Wade had that run on Archie all those years ago, do you think they just had like a like a, a group of maybe like ten years worth of Archie stories, or even five years worth of Archie stories that they just kind of republished all over and over and over again? Uh, they probably did. They just changed who it was. Like, all right, this time it's Veronica. This, you know, this time it's you know Betty. Whatever. I don't. I don't know. I I can imagine. But like you said, it didn't change until you know the t- the TV with uh what was it? What was the the zombie one? Afterlife with Archie? Uh yeah yeah. I actually give it more credit to that than Mark Wade's uh, uh, what do you call it, Archie book. So, uh, also nestled in the Archie uh, solicitations over on page eight is the All Ages Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book. And uh, I remember getting these because my brother uh, got these ones at the time, only because they were like the more kid-oriented ones, like the cartoon and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he was of that age. You know, he would have been like seven or eight at the time. So, right. And on here by Caliber, I like the, 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 the write-up for God's Hammer. It's uh, 
Morado, I don't know how to say his name, is awakened in the middle of the night and forced to accept a simple playing card. Thinking nothing of it, he goes back to bed, and that's when things start to get weird, pursued by several factions, all in search of the other card. He falls in with a mysterious Merlin, and the game is on. My favorite part of the solicitation is someone if someone just woke me up in the middle of the night, handed me a playing card, and then left... I don't know if my first reaction would just be to like fall back into slumber. <laughs> I might ask some questions. Now, I do also want to point out that the in the facing page, the full page ad for this book mm-hmm. uh, gives a little bit more information as to what the book is actually about. Right. In that little text thing. Uh, also, from the cover and into this ad, everyone's kind of leaning and heavy on that pinhead design from the movie Freaks. Yep, yep. Like, that's the hot thing to ape, I guess. Right, and it blows me away that, uh, like, we always talk about people who are still working. This was by Jim Calafiore, who uh, did what he did a lot of the, the 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 Secret Six books, and he worked with Gail Simone on that, that Kickstarter project. So, good for him. I didn't know he was around that long. Absolutely. Moving over onto page 10. Again, Dark Horse only has about a page or so, uh, give or take. Nothing really much jumping out uh, on the book side, but I would like that Dark Horse watch that's very stylish. Mm-hmm. Um, I like... And... Oh, go ahead. No, no. I like the Dark, Dark Horse Comic Insider because there was a bunch of these throughout the issue as we go. It's a newsletter featuring Dark Horse products, news, and uh, creator profiles. But note, if you place an order for one, you will receive one bundle of 100. If you order 100, you will receive 100 bundles of 100 or 10,000 flyers. Please be aware of your numbers when ordering. So I would really, I really do believe that there's a, a couple of these for like innovation later that people are like, oh, it's, you know, uh, you, you can order these. All right, I'll take them. And we're getting like, like, like 10,000 copies. And we're like, what? You know what I mean? And it was $6 per 100. So that could rack up some money on your uh, account. Well, this I want to say is obviously, you know, we just started with the December 89 uh, issue. This is the January 1990 issue. Um, I want to see when they had to add that specific verbiage in there. Mm -hmm. Because somebody went and bought a hundred thinking they were just getting a hundred individual things and not a hundred actual flyers. That's right. Read the solicits when ordering. Yes. Speaking of which, uh, under the Dark Horse section, they also have a Return of the Living Dead 2 Evil Dead 2 and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 t-shirts or sweatshirts, and I want them all. I, as soon as I saw all these, I was like, Joe wants all these shirts. That Evil Dead 2 cover is maybe one of the most iconic imagery, not only in a horror, but I would say, like, in the fringes of cinema. Even if you're not, like, a horror file like myself, you see that and you know that's Evil Dead. Right. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, I can quote all day, and I've never seen the movie, but I had three friends who all day would just be like, dog will hunt, and just like a thousand other things. And I'm like, I don't know what any of them mean, but I would play along and quote Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 with my friends. (laughs) So DC kind of starts there on page 11, just a lot of the uh, back order stuff. Uh, we move over to page 12, and they're pushing, like, you know, starting off pushing some trade paperbacks and stuff. Uh, Hawkman, like, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Watchmen is in there, of course. That uh, might have actually... Like the very specific details. Like, you know, all the other trades are like, oh, it collects issues this to this. Or collects the now classic miniseries or whatever it is. The Watchmen trade paperback. It just says, the most talked about limited series in years in one volume. Reprints all pages from the original 12 issues, as well as all covers and background information. That's all you need to know, Joe. It's Watchmen. It's Watchmen. That's right. And that's probably the second print or maybe the third printing, which legally kept it from Alan Moore. So he was very happy. Um, I also like that Adam Strange has a comic, number three in this previews, which is also in the 2020 January previews. So just like clockwork, every 30 years, Adam Strange gets his his, his few issues in the previews. So just looking over at page 13, again, the butcher, we're going to get more into the butcher a little bit later on, but I have, so it's by Mark, Mike Barron who did the, the badger, right? And I know the badger, right? Like I've never read an issue of the badger, but I'm aware of who and what the badger is. Mm-hmm. Was this DC trying to like say like, Hey, make a badger for us. I don't think so because I don't know what the bad I know of the Badger, yeah, but I don't know what it was about. I just know that this was trying to capitalize on the time at Green Arrow being the uh, the like more less superheroy and more realistic. The suggested for mature readers title and the question, which was was ending at this time, going into a quarterly, and there were a couple other like noir detective books at the time that they wanted to add another character like that. And he ended up crossing over with all of them later. Um, and he was their native, they were, they were working as a native American character. So I, that's all I really remember. Cause I know he was in like a brave and the bold mini that came later that crossed over with everything that I read. So I don't uh, know if they were making him the badger, but maybe. So also on page 13 here, Justice League America 38 mm-hmm. by Giffen DeMattis. Adam Hughes says this issue features the return of Despero and the return of a Justice Leaguer from the past. Mm-hmm. That was Gypsy, yes? Yes, because they he, she, he was coming for Justice League Detroit, and I believe that's uh, he killed a bunch of characters from that and that. Over on page 14 here again. The DC, like, previews are just not popping for me, you know? Right. But once again, we have DC Currents, which warns you about your bundles, Joe. Right, right. Wait, where's that? DC Currents. Yes, that has the verbiage in there. And that makes me think, is that verbiage that's put in there by Diamond? I guess it would, because they don't... DC don't care. You order 100,000. We love it. But, uh... Diamond probably is like, oh, if we, you know, if we have too many of this, we have to start returning them. So we better make it like in writing where it's ironclad. If you order it, you got to take them. Yes. Uh, Sandman 16 by Neil Gaiman. The dollhouse storyline concludes as Rose finally meets the Sandman. Ooh. We're not even calling a Morpheus yet in print. And Gilbert's secret is revealed. Not dun, Gilbert. dun, dun. That's right. Uh, again, we're going to go on a journey over these next, uh, at least, I don't know what we got. Well, we'll talk about that later uh, as this book continues to grow and grow and grow. Advanced Dungeons and Dragons still being published over on page 15. Now, I question to you, Todd, of course, 
you're a little bit more uh, seasoned of a comic book person than <laughs> I. Uh, down at the bottom corner there in the Comico section, Empire Lanes, the full story by Peter Gross. Do you have any idea of what this is? Nope, I don't even remember Empire Lanes, the full story. Gotcha. But I do remember Captain Adam 41. On his 50th birthday, Captain Adam leaves his body to come to terms with his life. But as in life, there are those who wish to destroy him both in body and soul. Guest starring the Black Racer. And I forget if it was this issue or the next one. We may find out in the next previews. That there was a rare non-Sandman death appearance. And in it, they were like, oh, death? You know, Black Racer is a version of death. And so is death. And I remember Neil doing an actual inter- interview and he goes, no, 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 that's not how it works in the DC. Death is death. Black Razor isn't like, you know, a version of death. When Black Racer dies, my Sandman death is coming to get him and take him to wherever he goes. And I always found that amusing. And I have the Captain Adam 4142 as one of those rare non-Vertigo death appearances. Just to oh, complete yes. my collection. Yes. I'm a completist sometimes back in the day, Joe. So over on page 16, as we're getting into, like, some of DC's other stuff, Comico, Piranha Press, and whatnot, they're pushing a second printing of Gregory. Uh, Again, something I've never read, but I'm vaguely familiar with. Kind of, like, I look at it, I feel like I'm looking at an Invader Zim, or Mm -hmm. uh, what's that Hot Topic comic? Not Little Depressed Boy, it's like... uh, I don't I haven't been in Hot Topic in a while. But a special note to make this second printing of Gregory even more special, as though it wasn't already special. Mm-hmm. Piranha Press is offering a free t-shirt for every 10 copies ordered. <laughs> Ooh. Yes. Uh, come in large or extra large and are packed randomly, one in each 10 pack of books. Nice. I like that. That's something that uh, the company should bring back. I agree. That's a neat deal. Make a make a t-shirt an exclusive or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Over on page 17, uh, we're into Eclipse's stuff. And hey, look, Eclipse is printing uh, Miracle Man by Neil Gaiman and uh, Mark Buckingham. That's right. And maybe they'll get around to finish some of that story over at Marvel someday. Someday. Uh, Rocketeer soft cover stuff, priming that pump, getting that ready for mm-hmm. this summer. More Miracle Man, book two over on page 18. Eternity Comics has a bunch of stuff not really jumping out to me there, but they do have the full page ad of Australian Adventure Hero Comes to America. As uh, it's not really telling me who the creative team on this thing is, but well, it does have an intro. Oh, it's create created, written, and illustrated by Australia's own Gary Shaloner. Mm-hmm. A little quote above it says, "It's Crocodile Dundee meets the Spirit." Oh well, the full uh, thing is Jack Keegan, aka the Jackaroo, is a two-fisted bloke cut from the outback whose frequent jaunts to Sydney from his hometown of Dugga Dugga often get him into trouble with both sides of the law. 
Uh, in the premiere issue, Jack goes after a promoter who runs off with the $5,000 purse from a fight. Jack trails him to Sydney and runs into Destructo Machine of Dr. Drano and the fabulously beautiful legend Lee Coste, introduction by Mike Grell. So there you go. Lots of fun in Jackaroo, down under thunder, Joe. There's uh, So this, is, this feels as though it's about a year or two past the height of Crocodile Dundee. Mm. And uh, in the full page ad over there, it is a quote from Sydney police Sergeant Harry Pattison that says trouble follows Jack Keegan around or like fly, or I'm sorry, let me read that again. Trouble follows Jack Keegan, like flies around a fresh dog turd. That's right. We're just talking about dog turds in our ad copy. Read this comic. That's right. I like to think this is less Crocodile Dundee and more Yahoo serious, Joe. Oh, yes. Moving along to page 20. Uh, there's your gem of the month there. The best comics of the decade. Soft cover, hardcover, deluxe hardcover. It's a bunch of Fantagraphic stuff. Uh, Fantagraphics. They were kind of like the top indie at the time. I'd say, right? I would definitely say. I would say there's a, a young and upcomer called Mirage shortly after this, but Fantagraphics was your go-to, like like, like you said, independent comic. They got uh, Eight Ball. They got a bunch of the R. Crumb reprints. They got Usagi Yojimbo. So they got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is another push as we move over to page 22. Another gem of the month is uh, Beauty and the Beast 2. So I guess is this this is kind of spinning out of the Beauty and the Beast television show. That's right, which had Linda Hamilton, didn't it? That's right, and uh, Ron Perlman was the Beast. Uh, you mean of Hellboy fame? Yes, sir. Not the makeup mogul, right? Correct. He owned Marvel for a while. So that's pretty interesting. Like, of all the things... For comics to decide to capitalize on its Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. I, I find it, and, and like they said, when, Wendy Piney, Peeny, I'm not sure how to say her name, who did ElfQuest was writing the book. I wonder if this was like, you know, like popular, popular at the time, the way the TV show was. I wonder. Mm-hmm. Very interesting to look at, but I don't want to be dicking around on the computer while I'm no, looking I through gotcha. the book, you know? I gotcha. Over on page 23, it begins, Todd. Well, a little bit more. We'll get there. But uh, First Publishing is putting out collections, uh, three issues in each at 10 bucks a clip uh, that you can get. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original Mirage uh, issues in full color. Uh, all are steady sellers and should be in greater demand with a new live-action movie set for a March release. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, wonder, like, you know, we're, we're wondering aloud, like, what the popularity of that Beauty and the Beast 2 comic was, uh, and what would the, like, these specific, like, first publishing, three issues in a clip, color reprints of the Mirage books. Right, and I'm wondering how many people have the rights to reprint stuff, because as we go on, it feels like different companies were reprinting all the Mirage stuff at the same time. Yeah. You know I mean? Like, it gets crazy. So, and that's the thing, like, I, this is not a job for me, but I'm sure I would hope someone has done this because like book one is three issues, but it has two previously unpublished shorts. Book two is three issues plus three new pages of material by Eastman and Laird. 
Book mm-hmm. three is issues seven and eight. Oh no. Uh, but it's the Cerebus reappearance um, plus 12 new pages. Right. Which I'm wondering like now is because I have, I don't have them all, but I have the, the, the Mirage hardcovers of all the turtle stories that were in continuity, which were mostly done by uh, Eastman and Laird. And there was a couple by Veach, Rick Veach that they were like, they were so good and so popular. They, as I said before they got in, and then there was like one of just covers. So there's like volume one, two, three, four to get all 62 issues in. And then there's one recently that was like all the little unpublished stuff. Cause I know like when they did a Raphael uh, one shot reprint, there was a new four page story in the back. So that's the way they would push reprints is doing quick little two, three, four page stories. And I have to look, I want to get this new hardcover because I think it has all the stuff that I've never read. And it would be all this stuff that's like printed in these first comics. And if I ever pick one up, I'll let you, if I pick up the hardcover, I'll let you know. Absolutely. So now we're over on page 14, Fleetway, Gladstone. Now Fleetway has this push of some new book uh, entitled The New Statesman. I say new. It's the third issue, and then it just says, in the little solicitation, it says, see the full page ad for a complete description of the new issue. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty big deal that Fleetway, a company I've technically never heard of, is, like, getting a full page ad with, like, photorealistic art in it and all this other stuff, you know? I remember Fleetway Comics, but, and I vaguely even remember the New Statesman. Mm. Uh, just by that that picture in the in the full page ad on twenty five, but I don't I never really read anything by you know by Fleetway that I can remember. Right now, something that I did read and was aware of the Spotlight book there, the Tales from the Crypt number one reprint. Mm-hmm. Um, we're about six months, give or take a week or two, off the Tales from the Crypt TV show debuting on HBO, which I was a big fan of being a horror guy. And uh, I was getting these reprints as they were coming out. Uh, I was I watched occasionally an episode of Tales of the Crypt, but I didn't have uh, HBO at the time. So I'd see it at a friend's house or something. Moving over to page 26 and 27 here. I'm not really sure if anything's really jumping out at me here. Uh, but I do see over on page 27, Kitchen Sink Press. Uh, has a bunch of uh, Xenozoic tales and Cadillac and dinosaur stuff mm-hmm. from Mark Schultz, who's a yep. local boy around here, huh? That's right. Uh, great guy, great guy, Char- uh, Charles Schultz. I always say that, Mark Schultz. Two cartoonists. <laughs> and uh, I also want to mention Kitchen Sink also putting out Melody Number 5, the, quote, true story of a nude dancer continues, and the cover is a... Uh, a topless woman just shamelessly uh, done up as a devil sitting on a, a, a an ottoman, if you will, that says little hot stuff on it. Ah. They are not fucking around in this issue of previews. No, I thought this was the family friendly show. Nah, nah, nah. All if right. you're paying, if listen, if you're to have a Patreon, you have to have like a checking account or a PayPal <laughs> or something. That's right. Right. I think we cursed a bunch of times. That's the first time I said fuck, you know, so that's the second. Uh, Page 28 into 29, we're rolling into some Marvel stuff finally. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marvel uh, continuing the push of that Steel Town Rockers book. Right. And, uh, ooh, also, here's a a red-letter date in comic book history. 
the first issue of Camp Candy is out. Mm. The book that adapted the Saturday morning cartoon series of John Candy. Remember when they would put like stand up comedians as stars of their own TV shows? Yep. And, like, and cartoons for children. That's right. Like Ed Grimley had his own cartoon and comic. Richard Pryor had one. Oh, good stuff. You know what, though? I am blanking, completely blanking on that there was a cap. Camp Candy comic from Marvel. Uh-huh. I, I'm I'm going to maybe try and keep a tally in the previews to see how long this ran. But it was bi-monthly. So, yes. so it would be every two months. So we'd only get six in this uh, first year of previewing the past. Uh, still pushing that Namor book that we mentioned last time around. We got some reprints on Punisher. Uh, really pushing that as well. Spotlight on something called the Elseworld Prince. By Mobius. That's a big get for Marvel to get during this time, you know? I remember him doing a Silver Surfer graphic novel slash Galactus. So I'm guessing he was, you know, doing other stuff, but I don't remember him doing much, you know? Yes, indeed. So moving over to page 30s and 31. uh, The ALF comic under the star line. Now, I want to mention this, of course. So there were a lot of these books by Marvel that were under, like, the star line, and they had, like, all these other imprints. Mm-hmm. Whereas over on the DC side, everything's kind of split out, like, here's the Piranha Press stuff, and here's this. Where Marvel, it's just, like, everything's kind of, like, jammed together, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a mock 3D cover, that one. Uh, just looking to see what else we have over in Marvel. Grew the Wanderer still being published by Marvel. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Heathcliff, of course. Very, uh... Oh, so Heath- Heathcliff number 47. Heathcliff becomes Catman. Superhero savior of West Felinster in this parody of the Batman movie. Just oh, like this was straight up in the Marvel solicitations. They're like, yeah, the Batman movie's so big, we're just gonna like have a parody book of it. Sounds delightful. Yes, indeed. And the gem of the month for Marvel, Ghost Rider number one. Uh, I'm gonna let you read the full page ad there because Ghost Rider returns to action as the spirit of vengeance emb- embodied. He's bringing his own brand of justice to the criminals and drug pushers, making our streets a quote-unquote hell on earth. In this special 48-page introductory issue, the Ghost Rider is reborn and sets his sights on none other than the Kingpin. <gasps> oh, no. And, and Todd, you, you can go ahead and you have at it with that ad. On page 31, he's a flaming psychopath. Yes. Ghost Rider, get your kicks on Route 666 starting in March from Marvel. So I have to go ahead. Little did they know what this character would become at Marvel because this is going to be the, he is going to be in everything in a few months. Every book he would, that was the cry, like it was him, Wolverine and Punisher were bouncing around in absolutely everything. Like Punisher's already there because there's like tons of Punisher reprints, Mm -hmm. Punisher magazine, Punisher's assassins guild and all this other shit for Punisher. Right. Mm -hmm. But like ghost, this is the beginning of ghost rider becoming like a nineties joke. Right. And the sad thing was, 
this book was really cool and creepy when it first started out. Uh, Mark Teixeira's art on it was amazing. I, I remember reading this book and loving it. And then, like you said, it got completely out of control with like the like Johnny Blaze shows up in the Midnight Suns and all, all, all of that. It really went off the rails. So a couple things I have to say about the like the physical structure of the ad itself, starting from the bottom, where it has get your kicks out of Route 666, where the extra six is kind of mocked up that it's done in blood, you know? Mm-hmm. And I bet you that this ad would pop more not in black and white, because the he's a flaming psychopath, the, the half of the N and the G of flaming... And all of the E and most of the P in cycle and path are completely obscured by the black border around Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they were hoping that this would be put in black and white when they kind of like laid this one out, you know? Well, don't forget, look at above Howard Mackey, uh, Javier Salteras, and Mark Tixer. There's a whole sentence that runs through the back because it starts with an A and I can see some of the letters. I don't know what the rest of that, that, you know... (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying now? I do. Did you notice that before? I noticed the A, and I'm like, oh, that's probably just an error. Mm-hmm. But now that you look, they're trying to sell us something there, and I have no idea what it is. Yes. So moving on to page 32, uh, another gem of the month was a reprint of a non-Frank Miller Daredevil book. Mm. I, mm. as a Daredevil fan... Uh, I was not aware that they were pushing Daredevil so hard back during this time. I didn't even know it was a, uh, there was a Daredevil book before Mark Wade. Oh my goodness! Uh, over there, Mar- Marvel Superheroes number one, an all new quarterly title, will contain several short tales, each featuring a different Marvel superhero in action, in solo action. Excuse me. And based on the cover, I assume. This is the origin story of how Moon Knight was bit by a radioactive moon. <laughs> Got the proportional powers of the moon, Joe. Yes, but yes. Uh, yes uh, but I love these books, these quarterlies, because they had, uh, Joe, I don't know if you know this, they had the spring one, the summer one, the fall one, and a winter one. And the winter one always contained, it wasn't a holiday issue, but it would usually contain Christmas stories. And you know what happens when you put Christmas stories in a superhero comic. Todd buys them. <laughs> Yes, indeed. <laughs> so uh, I just want to kind of bro- oh, over on page 33, you have issue three of RoboCop, issue nine of Police Academy. Uh, two books, RoboCop, of course, and Police Academy, uh, R-rated films turned into cartoons for babies, then turned into comic books for babies. Hey, when I took you to see Police Academy, did you see anybody laughing? But yeah, no, I don't know. I, I I can't even believe, like you said, R-rated movies into cartoons and comics. A lot of other things I want to mention. There's a lot going on on the Marvel page here. Uh, just I want to mention Conan number 232 says Ron Lim becomes the regular penciler of the series. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I like Ron Lim. Ron Lim's one of those unsung guys and uh, at our local retailer whenever he does. He would be less, like he would be known for Conan. Uh, but maybe like in a year or two, he becomes more known uh, for like the cosmic art side of things. Well, if you look down to Silver Surfer number 37, he's actually drawing it. Right. So he's a lot more known for that as uh, the years and stuff would go on. And whenever he does a variant cover, I always make sure to pick that one up because I really like his art. I'm a fan. 
Right, and Conan 232 has to be near the end of that run. It couldn't have gone much further. You know, because that I, I know it only lasted in the two, like, something. So uh-huh. maybe maybe another 20 issues or so. But We have a spotlight on G.I. Joe number 100. The original Cobra Commander is back. Oh, the, my. The used car salesman? That's what he I was think, in G.I. Joe. I would say a- that Cobra Commander has as messy as an origin as whatever Hawk person or Donna Troy over at DC <laughs> you can imagine. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if Hawkman and Donna Troy had a kid, what their origin would be? Oof. Now, there's another book down here at the bottom of the page, Hero Number 1 by David Michelini. Cody Pace is a stuck-up yuppie who's thrown into another dimension after he's killed on Earth. All he wants to do is return to Earth, and he can. He just has to live and die a few more times. Cody's journey will take him to several different worlds where he must live and die the role of the hero and somehow grow as a human being. Six-issue miniseries. I can't imagine that that would be an easy thing to find since it's just simply titled Hero. Yeah. And I don't... This is another one where we're talking... I don't remember this book at all. Nope. Not in the slightest. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, over on pages 34 and 35, anything else at the tail end of the Marvel solicitations here jumping out at you? Just that Iron Man 256 is the beginning of Iron uh, uh, the Armor Wars 2. I remember they were like, Armor, Armor Wars worked? Let's do it again. <laughs> uh, Marvel UK stuff, Doctor Who, nobody likes that. Now, we mentioned before... Uh, That first publishing did those uh, collections of Ninja Turtles stuff. Mirage Studios now here has the collected Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a big trade paperback that is issues one through 11, plus the micro series, which is the individual issues about each of the turtles in their entirety. uh, This is the first in a five volume series, reprinting all of the early adventures. And then it says, note, Mirage was unable to supply a firm price on this selection. Thus, the listed price is a tentative price and subject to change. So this was a market price collection. That's right. And if that doesn't take the cake, I love the uh, solicit for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 28, 29, and 30. (laughs) Unfortunately, we have absolutely no information on the creative teams and storylines features in these issues. Still, they are the turtles, exclamation point. You're going to buy them. Uh, Look at that fancy logo at the top of that solicitation. Of course you're going to buy them, Todd. That's right. They told us early to look for that, and now I see it. Oh, my goodness. (sighs) Moving along here. Page 36. Now Comics gets, like, a lot. They almost get, like, a page plus. They've got Speed Racer, Green Hornet, Terminator, Married to Children, Fright Night. Slimer, they got a whole list of things. And an alias book that wasn't Brian Michael Bendis with Jessica Jones. Yes, sir. Now, I want to mention that uh, not only do they have the real Ghostbusters license and they have a Slimer book, directly under the solicitation for the Slimer book is a Ralph Snart Adventures, 
of who's Ralph going to call when a beer-guzzling ghost named Sludger <laughs> stakes claim to his refrigerator and its contents. You're publishing two real Ghostbuster books and a parody book of it. That's right. Like, hey, the ghost's name is, is Sludger. Are you sure it's not Slimer? Shut up, boy. What do you want to get a suit? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, I like this over uh, on page 37 under Revolutionary Comics. Yep. Tipper Gore's Comics and Stories. Remember when Tipper Gore was a punching bag for people? Yep. Yep. Remember when D... Didn't D. Snyder go toe-to-toe? Certainly did. Mm-hmm. He said to her, I'm not going to take it. No. <laughs> I'm not going to take it. <laughs> Captain Howdy, that was a good joke. <laughs> Page 38. Again, I don't know. So, buy Biohazard or we'll shoot this zombie. A full page ad. Well, we were going to shoot it anyway. Order Biohazard, the ultimate zombie comic today. 32 pages, black and white. Black and white, full cover, glossy, uh, full color, glossy cover. Comic, uh, warning, this comic contains scenes of graphic violence, language, and brief nudity. Contents will become more graphic with each issue. And look at that, two seventy-five an issue. Yep. Holy cow! Who's? It doesn't even say like who the publisher of that is. You know what I mean? It's just like here it is arbitrarily in the middle of the thing. Right. I'm looking uh, around like before it or after it. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, oh no, how would I order that book? I want to order the book. But Biohazard is uh, page before it on thirty-seven. It's Omni Comics. Ah. By Justin Groom is doing all of it, I guess. I'm going to have to look into that one. That sounds like right up my alley. Mm -hmm. Page 38, we roll into some slave labor graphic stuff. Now, so this is funny to me because a few pages earlier, we just kind of passed over it in that Marvel is doing a Nightbreed comic book kind of inspired by the Clive Barker Nightbreed book. But then over on page 40 and 41... Uh, we have uh, who, uh, Titan Books is putting out the Nightbreed Chronicles, which is actually done by uh, Clive Barker himself. Right. I have no idea what this is. I'm trying to read it. It's a pictorial record. So I'm wondering if it's not a comics, more of a prose with pictures thing. So I don't know. Interesting. Right. Johnny Nemo over there, which just uh, reminds me, makes me think of Johnny Mnemonic, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Over on page 42, uh, more Titan books. These are kind of like a little bit more like uh, solicitations that pop a bit more. You know, you got like a cover there. You got some information about uh, Judge Death out of the Judge Dread books, Modesty Blaze, that sort of thing. Mm hmm. Page 43 has a 3D zone. Uh, Betty Page captured Jungle Girl. And you can really tell from the expression on her face of how proud she is there. That's right. That's a genuine expression right there. That is. That's truly a genuine expression. Page 44 has some Alan Moore comics. Alan Moore's Shocking Future and Alan Moore Twisted Times, which are Alan Moore stories reprinted from 2000 A.D., Ballad of Halo Jones, one through three, also in 2000 AD. That rhymed. 
Now we're almost we're getting toward the end of the comics here because just like smack dab in the middle is a, a pair an ad for the TSR Buck Rogers role playing game. Right. And I keep saying full cover. Uh, it's actually uh, T- TSR, the role playing company, is doing graphic novels. It looks like is what yes. that is. And then Todd, you mentioned before about your one out of no- your one out of ten. Mm-hmm. Page forty six has Grant Morrison's Saint Swithin's Day in color, following his sensational Batman graphic novel Arkham Asylum. Trident Comics are proud to announce a new full color with the U. Uh, Comic written by Grant Morrison, Saint Swithin's Day. It's drawn by Paul Grist and painted uh, with painted color by Steve Whitaker. Stories of a young man out to assassinate Margaret Thatcher has received this story. Uh, yeah, yeah, has received outstanding reviews. It'll be released in March. High quality, full cover, color, comic, blah blah blah. I've never heard of this. Uh, you know what? This is the first time I'm hearing of... I've heard of the holiday St. Swithin's Day. Never heard of the comic St. Swithin's Day. Indeed. Uh, Viz Comics has a bunch, as they are holding true, of uh, a bunch of reprints of manga stuff being brought over to the States. Page 48 is a full-page ad for one of those mangas being brought over. And uh, Len Wein doing the adaptation for that. Right. To tra- uh, what do you call it? Translating. That's what I wanted to say. Now, right in the center here, of course, we have a full color, uh, glossy thing. Don't shell yourself short, Todd. <laughs> They're selling the me, Joe. That's right. And uh, it's the first publishing who has the, the weird reprint rights of the other stuff. Uh, the Ninja Turtles. Turtle Mania is sweeping the nation, brother. It says... Mm-hmm. Uh, and First Publishing is proud to present the original adventures uh, in four in four deluxe full color graphic novel editions, written and illustrated by Eastman and Laird. And there's boom, 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 boom. There's your four things, and then they have a really, really awesome Ninja Turtle poster by Kevin Eastman, which I kind of want that one if I can yes, find sir. it. Yes, uh, sir. Page forty nine has something called Jumper. I don't know what that is. It's a cosmic odyssey like no other. I don't know either. Mm-hmm. Page 50 is what we uh, in 2020 refer to as the DC Comics section <laughs> of late comics. Right. Late. Uh, a bunch of 3D stuff. Guys, you're running out of time to cash in on the 3D bubble here over at Blackstone <laughs> Publishing as you have Star Wars in 3D, Waxworks in 3D. I remember that was a thing where they would take an existing comic and just do it in the red and blue what have yous mm-hmm. and release it with like the little cardboard red and blue gimmicks and you would have a comic book in 3D. Yep. I don't know why that was a thing and I'm glad it's no longer a thing. Mm-hmm. I like Genesis West, which on page 50 has this solicit and then the full page ad. It's the last of the Viking Heroes Summer Special 2. The TMNT, at least one of them, guest star in this year's Summer Special, shipping in March, no less. And he's giving the Viking Heroes a taste of Ninja Turtle tactics, Joe. It was one of the few uh, appearances of Turtles outside the the main Mirage title. Um, And I actually, because I was the completist at this time, picked that up too when I was collecting the Turtles. Do you own that, you said? 
Yeah, I own that Viking. I own of the last of the Viking heroes. I only own that issue, unless they maybe did another one down the line. But I would pick up anywhere that the the turtles popped up that uh, Eastman and Laird were were lending them out. Yes, sir. Moving along into fifty two, we are done with comics now. Uh yes. So we have books. Uh, nothing else really. Uh, that- I remember that further adventure of the Joker and the Batman stories. They were really good. Yeah, um, I like they, that cover. That's really stylized. I like that a lot. What they were was they were just short stories by different writers who had different takes on them. I mean, now you got it's a potluck, but I remember that Joker one having some really truly creepy stories. And I might be I might be writing this down because I want to get my hands on a copy of these books again. I don't have them anymore, but I want to reread these. So I'll be on the lookout. Let's. This is me writing it down right now. So it's uh, over the uh, bottom of page 53, and we're going to bounce back and forth only with it because they get a full-page ad for it over on p- page 54. The Fandom Directory, 12th Annual Edition. Comprehensive reference to fans of comics, SF in lowercase, I guess that's supposed to be sci-fi, Star Trek, and related fandoms. Over mm-hmm. 20,000 current listings. Listings include name, address, phone number, and areas of fan interest. Also features comprehensive indexes of fan clubs, fan publications, fan gatherings, plus over 3,500 retail stores who cater to fans. This is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I would like to get that so I could see if any of those phone numbers still work. <laughs> I would just sit on my phone and be like, hello, are you a fan of Star Wars? It says here in the fandom directory that you are. Oh, man. Very interesting. Very unique item that just does not exist in 2020. No. Page 55 has the Overstreet Comic Price Guide. Sure, sure. Page 56 has, like, Peanuts books. Uh, The aforementioned Raw magazine. Mm -hmm. A few years before Monday Night Raw would become the uh, (laughs) longest-running action-adventure TV show of all time. Was Mouse ever on Raw? Um, no. Okay. Star Trek Next Generation Metamorphosis Audio Adaptation. Oh, I want some of those. Only if it was Asriel. I'd have convert those those from audio cassette to MP3s for someone. (laughs) Don't remind me. (laughs) And then we have a Star Trek novel over on page 57. 57 also has some magazines, a plethora of sci-fi stuff, comic shop news, a Doctor Who magazine, Game Pro, which I got. Now, this is interesting. Gauntlet magazine, a magazine dealing with free speech and censorism in all aspects of the media. Oh, really? Yeah, very interesting. And I know we mentioned it last time, but there's a whole section of those Japanese magazines that are, like, super expensive. It's like, Here's here's a magazine imported from Jap- Japan. It's sixteen dollars and nineteen ninety money. Good luck. Mm-hmm. 
I like on page 59 in the uh, magazine section of Starlog, they have a Captain America special, Joe. This all-star action heroes special features exclusive photos and interviews from the upcoming live action Captain America movie. It includes full four, four full color gatefolds of the movie stars and comic art the movie that never came out was only released like in europe for like a week and then didn't see dvd for like 20 years later so i actually wonder if this magazine came out and if it did all the all the people just salivating waiting for uh jd salinger's son to play captain america and fight not uh fascist italians red skulls let me. Yeah, it's unfortunately due to the popular the popularity of the current Captain America stuff, it's a little difficult to find this one. Right. Uh, but I will say, uh, just to kind of give you a preview. So we mentioned before the big success of Batman in 1989. Indie comics is getting the jump on everyone else with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and this shitty Batman or this shitty. Captain America movie that never comes out is Marvel's answer. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen this movie? A long time ago. Like, I probably saw this in, like, 94 and 95 on, like, a bootleg VHS. Oh, my God. It's so It starts out great with the family being abducted so they could take the Red Skull and for testing and everything. And then the movie just goes right downhill to rubber ears on the outside of the, the cowl. To oh my god, it's that's one of those things that maybe for a future <laughs> future something with the with the Patreon is doing some some stuff like that because I that Captain America movie is just to die for. Uh, but just to kind of give you a little bit more of a preview, what's coming out? Uh, Starlog is going to have on location coverage of RoboCop Two, Gremlins Two, Total Recall, uh, Peacemaker, and Space Case. Fangoria is uh, having information about Nightbreed, which is the hot hand right now. Uh, Toby Hooper's Spontaneous Combustion, the Tales from the Dark Side movie, and Bride of Reanimator. Oh, I re- even I remember Bride of Reanimator. Yes, yes. Uh, and, uh, of course, rest- Starlog's wrestling, mag- wrestling magazines are on sale a mere four days before WrestleMania six happens. <laughs> That's oh. uh, Ultimate Warrior vs. Hulkamaniac. Oh, good. I was worried I wouldn't know who was in that one. Yes, yes. Page 60, I didn't include it for you, is uh, the baseball uh, card stuff has their own entirely separate catalog. So, you know. Mm, no never leave card. a never leave a page out for me. I want to see the whole previews, Joe. All right. We're in the games, uh, role-playing stuff, of course. We mentioned TSR before doing the Buck Rogers thing. All sorts of different role-playing games and so forth here. I'm just looking to see if there's anything that pops out at me. I don't mark up these magazines because I'm going to flip them and make a million dollars selling them all again. That is true. Uh, Page 64, though, Todd, uh, Mm -hmm. from Paladin Books, has Turtles Go Hollywood. Wild battle raged across Southern California as the Turtles, or player-created mutant animals, face the Foot Clan and the evil Shredder. A bizarre conflict threatens to reveal our heroes' identities to an unsuspecting world and also threatens the Hollywood premiere of the (laughs) fictional mutant animal movie. (laughs) There's nothing they wouldn't have cashed in on. I love Eastman and Laird. Hey, listen. 
when did uh, Ninja Turtles become a business in this very issue? That's right. Good for them, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, West End Games has a bunch of little side adventures for the Star Wars role-playing game. That's pretty neat. And now, Todd, here we are. Page 66, I'm shocked that they were able to hold themselves off this long. I'm not only shocked, I'm shell-shocked. Oh, boy. (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, So it says, fresh from the sewers and ready to rock in March on the big screen. That's right, the Turtles are coming to the silver screen in a full-length live-action adventure. This is by no means a complete bold and underlined listing of all the Ninja Turtles licensed product, but what we consider to be some of the best available, both new and offered again. The novelization of the movie. I miss novelizations of movies. Mm -hmm. Especially when they'd add like a chapter or something in like information. Like, Oh my God, I only know this because I read the novelization. I, the, the, I read a bunch of novelizations as a child Um, Because I used to go to the library all the time because it was free. Mm -hmm. I could ride my bike there. Um, But I vividly remember reading the novelization of Spaceballs. And I wish I had it still. (laughs) And in the shooting script, which is what I assume they just transferred over into the the novelization, they spell Colonel Sanders' name in a very weird and peculiar way with, like, lots of extra Zs and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. So I read the novelization before I saw the movie, so I'm reading this, and I'm like, what the f- what the hell are they writing? Like, what is this supposed what's, to be? What's his name? And then I saw the movie, and I'm like, ah, I clicked. I got it. I'm on the trolley now. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken. Again, that doesn't read the, like that. You, you would you would be surprised, Todd, but a movie that relies heavily on sight and wordplay gags doesn't read well. <laughs> really? I'm shocked. I'm shell-shocked again, Joe. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe one year we'll do, uh, as a Patreon bonus exclusive, where we read the novelizations <laughs> of these movies. Fantastic. Or at the very least, the cliff notes of them. Oh, or the cliff notes of the cliff notes. So, uh, I know, like I said, I was not a Turtles guy. My brother was. So he did have a lot of this stuff. He certainly had the uh, the, the deluxe movie cards. He did have those. And, Todd, we've got can- candy pencil toppers, pencils, twirlum pencil toppers, <laughs> twirlum stampers. Uh, posters of all sorts of kinds, different board games, movie posters with what appears to be not not actual poster, uh, pushing that out. So there is a ton of Ninja Turtle stuff here, ton of Ninja Turtle stuff. If we go over to page 68, uh, where you could buy one or you could buy two episodes of the Ninja Turtles cartoon on a VHS for $16. Oh my goodness, that sounds like a deal at twice the price. That's a fantastic deal. Uh, Comic Images is selling sticker sets, bumper stickers, framed photos. And as I said last time, again, shirts that I want all of. I want that long sleeve Punisher sweatshirt. I want that Punisher or the Wolverine t-shirt. 
with the Rob Liefeld art. Rob Liefeld. I wonder if his name will come up ever again. Mm. <laughs> and a lot of this stuff they actually still sell. Like if you go over to page 70, I like and this is weird because we're like, oh, why don't they reprint all these things? Like just keep these shirts out all the time, you know, like. Mm -hmm. uh, but that one where it's the cover of Batman 9, which is the first appearance of Robin, like, I know Graffiti Designs has done that shirt again. Oh, well, sure. Those are classic illustrations that they they have. But I, like, take away all that Batman, Marvel stuff. And over at Illustration Studios, they have a Vampirous Satin Jacket by Steve Warren. Listen to this, Joe. These black satin jackets feature Warren's va vampirous image, printed in full color and red. But this is no normal red, Joe. Once again, artist Steve Warren is adding his own blood to the red silkscreen ink, making this jacket a unique collectible. These high-quality jackets are U.S.-made jackets and are available in medium-large and extra-large. Note, with this special edition print, these jackets are expected to be snapped up quickly, making reorders nearly impossible all right i want a jacket <laughs> i want a jacket if i buy a jacket joe i don't want some guy's blood to be on it when i get it i want to earn the blood that gets on my jacket joe i want to earn it oh my god who would buy it here's some of my dna on your jackets todd oh. i don't know if i told you this but every episode of the podcast that we release has some of my blood in the mp3 uh file oh my goodness did you like like stick me when I was sleeping and add my into. I did. I punch you in the nose and I hold a. I punch you in the face and hold a no a uh, cup under your nose. Oh, good. And it just feels that way. I hope it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cup that you got in the nineties <laughs> during the movie craze. No, it's the Toxic Avenger cup that you got me. Oh, okay. So just as we're continuing here, that's ridiculous. That jacket. I wonder. If oh, anyone only, has that jacket. It's only $75, too, Joe. Give me a, give me a second. Oh, I know I said me. I don't want to get distracted, but we're almost at the end of the issue here, you know? And this is a fantastic opportunity, Joe. Oh, I just can't believe I was like, it's got his blood. You made me bleed my own blood. Now, okay, so I got to add a little bit more to this because it's trying to push me to, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer jackets, and I don't want that. Yeah, you need Vamp Press, just satin jacket. The satin nope. feels good on my skin. <laughs> All right, I found a listing on eBay, Todd. Mm-hmm. Okay. Vintage Steve Wharton Art Vampire Satin Bomber Jacket, 1989. Right. Uh, let me look at the description if they have any more information about this. They do not. They just have a picture. They have a couple pictures of it. Does not mention. It is. It has like a little like Steve Wharton whatever. It's an extra large. How much? Uh, pre-owned. Pre-owned, Todd. Pre-owned. Oh. Remember, $75 in uh, 1990 money. Ooh, I'm going to go with $250 because it's a collectible. 500 Oh, my God. I was halfway there, Joe. Yes, well, sir. You know he what? offers a the, payment plan, though, the seller. Uh, so That is true. Probably because the DNA is degraded over the years, Joe. That's right. You can't, you can't clone your own warrant. So. 
Oh, you have to send me a link of that because I can't find that really quick. And I actually want to look at that jacket. Okay. So save that for me. I will save that for you. There's more that's coming up, but it's a lot of like off site, uh, Mm -hmm. off brand, whatever things, you know? Right. But uh, yeah, I'll save that eBay auction for you. It's a live auction, too, you know? Oh, good. I hope I can get to it before somebody buys it. So, uh, more Zot stuff, more pins and buttons. I got nothing to do with pins. What? Page 72, Fleetway again. I forget that Fleetway is this big company as they have their backlist to the future stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is like really... that, <laughs> Go ahead. That, that picture of Judge Dredd with the gun up the guy's noses. The Design 12 called Guns and Noses. <laughs> that that made me laugh. I like that. Uh, so that's a shirt, right? I, I get a kick out of that. It says, when Judge Dredd strides over to you, pulls out his lawgiver and slides it up one of your nostrils. It's bound to get your attention. So too, this new full color design will undubitably make people stare in rapt amazement. Illustrated by Rich Larson, this t-shirt is printed in five colors on cotton blended material for maximum comfort with maximum mate with maximum maintenance. As with all of our shirts, they're available in either small, medium, large, or America's favorite size, extra large. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I do love all joking aside because it was just a small mistake from you. Is like maximum comfort with maximum maintenance. It was with minimum, minimum maintenance because I do love a shirt that's maximum maintenance. I think Daniel, as we're recording this, to always put a date and timestamp on these things. Daniel Bryan, like through WWE, like released like an all natural cotton, you know, like blah 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 like all this extra shit that you have to do with the shirt and i'm like good lord what do you have to do to that shirt to keep it from falling apart the first time that you wash it Mm -hmm. so page 74 and 75 we have a two-page thing of the art of olivia do you remember the art of olivia joe no, I do not, but it's a naked lady. I, so I remember naked ladies, Todd. I have a card, a few card sets of Olivia because this was not the preverted arts. It was legitimate art, and that's the way you got away with it. Oh, so just it was beautiful art, but it was all like cheesecake. So, but a great painter. Over on page 76. Uh, lithographs of Wolverine and the Wolver uh, a lithograph of Wolverine, a lithograph of the Punisher, and a lithograph of the Wolver of Wolverine and the Punisher together. Oh, that's a lot of choices that I like. Yes, and we talked before about how people are going to capitalize on the Batman. You know, we keep coming with this Ninja Turtles right around the corner. The Captain America thing is going to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, applause is pushing all of their Jetson stuff because there's a Jetson movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Jetsons, but this is what I was waiting for, Todd. You keep oh. your Ninja Turtles. I was... see. Listen, we traveled back in time 30 years. You picked Ninja Turtles. I picked what's next. Time will tell who made the correct decision, okay? <laughs> the jury's still out because America's greatest comic strip detective will be starring in a new Disney film directed and starring, directed by and starring Warren Beatty. With Madonna as Breathless Mahoney, the film will feature all of Tracy's rogues gallery of villains, each captured with special effects makeup, Todd. 
Because Dick Tracy is on the horizon. This is the movie that Disney was capitalizing on being their Batman. That's right. And I'll tell you, Joe, Dick Tracy, Rogues Gallery, better than Spider-Man's. But anyway, um, I'm with you. I'm with you. I want to know the comic retailer who was in January 1999 was like, turtles, they'll never last. I'm stocking up on dick tracy merchandise and come march 1990 he's just got like walls filled with dick tracy merchandise that i know he sold and retired with (laughs) pencil huggers of your favorite dick tracy uh characters a keychain i want that keychain though that is actually a nice keychain too bad it's uh uh, Beatty, you know, a Warren Beatty face. Yeah, like if, if it was the logo, you know what I mean? Like the logo and silhouette, I think that'd be mm-hmm. much better. I totally agree. I do like that coffee mug, even though I hate coffee, yeah. with the signal watch on it. That is pretty cool. Shit. $96, I always say this, in 1990 money. Wait a minute, does it actually like work as a like a walkie-talkie? No. It's, it's actually two mugs for $96. Oh, okay, oh. so I see what you're seeing. So it's a two, it's, it's, um, $96 is not for a goddamn coffee mug. It's six packs of two. Oh, okay. That right. will, that's being pushed to the retailers. Okay. That's right. We probably weren't getting these at the time. Right. I don't know why. Mm. A lot of other toys as we move over to page, uh, 80, there's Garfield Bendems that I see there <laughs> that has a. Poorly, poorly <laughs> chosen photo <laughs> with Vaseline all over the lens when they took it oh with God. a trowel. <laughs> Models, though, Mo- I see that there's a RoboCop and uh, Ed 209 vinyl models. Those are still kicking around these days. Tons of Star Wars and Star Trek stuff. This is where uh, Star Wars and Star Trek live during the early 90s, like models. Because, like, right. that was, like, the sci-fi person's thing, you know? That's right. Between the original trilogy and the prequels, it was all comics and, and merchandise that kept the Star Wars brand alive. Right. And page 81 into 82, uh, the Simpsons are all the rage right now, and Matt Groening's popular characters are soon to get their own regular Fox TV show. Each of these designs are printed on full color, uh, in full color on quality 100% cotton shirts and inv- available in all sizes. Family portrait, family bonding, family family, Bartman, uh, Bart Simpson, radical dude, Bart Simpson underachiever and proud of it shirt, and a Homer Simpsons shirt uh, that says, Dad comes home glowing after a little accident at the nuclear power plant. Homer's nuclear halo eyes, teeth, and word balloon actually glow in the dark. Uh, so that's pretty cool. I can mm-hmm. get that shirt. I had the Underachiever and Proud of It shirt, too. I bet you did. Yes, sir. Lots of watches. Archie watches. Jughead. Archie. Archie jukebox. Archie girls. Archie, Archie, Archie watches. So they knew their fan base. Mm-hmm. Old people. <laughs> late editions. Uh, Prince Valiant. Wasn't Prince, Prince Valiant a uh, late edition last time? Probably. I'm not sure. Yes, yes. Now, we pick back up here. Uh, of course, I want to address the full-page art ad for The Butcher mm-hmm. on page 85. 
which comes <laughs> like the layout of this book just screws with my head sometimes. Mm-hmm. Comes nearly 70 pages after the solicitation for the butcher itself. We lamented on that biohazard book. We're like, where the hell is the solicitation for that? It's like, oh, it was on the previous page. It's like, Butcher by DC, how can I order this book? Oh, go 70 pages back, and it's right, right there. But technically, Joe, on page 84 before it is that insider information, which finishes up the DC stuff. So technically, you're only one page away from the DC insider information, which goes back I guess. to page two. <laughs> you know? I guess. Ooh. Uh, they're pushing that Empire's Lane, uh, saying that this Empire, that Empire Lanes thing I asked you about before, uh, says it will, uh, this should sell to your comic book and gaming customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jackaroo gets another mention here, uh, features character who is a cross between Crocodile Dundee and the Spirit. This enjoyable tale should appeal to customers of the spirit, duh, and El Diablo. Right. Uh, they're pushing that Beauty and the Beast thing that we talked about before. I think in the future I'm going to move the page, like when we get all the insider information up front, you know? Right. When I when I upload the the, the, the pages to you, you know what I mean? Right. Now this is weird as well, so... We talked before about the the Tales from the Crypt reprint, right? Right. And again, they mention it here, but there's, like, no mention of, like, hey, push this to fans of the TV show that's been out for six months. That's very odd that, like, they're doing the reprints to, obviously, to capitalize on the TV show, but no mention of the TV show. Well, the stories were actually just taken from the book, so maybe they didn't want to spoil it on the fan, on the new fans of the show. I guess. Uh, again, that art for that ad for the butcher looks really cool. Right. And I, I never read. I never read that mini, but I read uh, some of his other minis. So yes, page eighty six of the insider information. This is where Marvel shines. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're like really pushing the hell out of all of their stuff, right? Right. Uh, you got more stuff about them pushing Steel Town Rockers. Namor still getting pushed down our throats. Uh, a Star Jammer's Spotlight, the aforementioned Marvel Superheroes Quarterly book, uh, and then in what looks like one of the best revamped titles ever, Ghost Rider 1 blazes onto the scene. The art and story are geared for well-paced action, and this series should appeal to a ri- wide range of audience, from vigilante to horror fans. Mm-hmm. Says that hero book is going to appeal to fans of Doctor Strange. Uh, sales will probably continue to remain strong on RoboCop. RoboCop <laughs> 3, as a mysterious Cybeck, steals perverse dream tapes from OCP <laughs> bigwigs, and RoboCop must retrieve them. What the fuck are they even talking about here? Why am I talking about my, my recorded dreams? Perverse dream tapes. Oh, oh boy, and oh, you know what? They, I we kind of skipped over it there, but I'll mention it here. Uh, an X Men storyline is featured in What If Number Thirteen. What if Professor X of the X Men, because again, we wouldn't know where Professor X is from, uh, had become the Juggernaut? I vividly remember that book. 
that actual issue or just what if as in a in a broad stroke that issue in particular mm. so again like i said the insider information we're going to push uh you know to hey, the every- front when we do this again yep everything's a learning curve joe that's right uh page 88 gets like a quarter page thing here for a reprint of arkham asylum with a fans, I like that art page that they chose there uh, for Dave McKean. That's almost like the trick people that they might be getting uh, Sandman. Right. Some Gotham by Gaslight again. Oh, will this one actually come out? Maybe. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> a lot of Love and Rockets collections on page 90. Page right. 91, we have Marvel uh, pushing that Art of Mobius book, a bunch of Marvel masterworks. Ooh. With those fancy gilded uh, frames around the picture, with like which were raised up. I always like that stuff. Yes. And as we're over on page 92, getting to the very end of this, uh, they have a Monty Python Flying Circus, the complete television scripts book. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing, especially um, in light of the events recently of uh, which cast member was it of Monty Python? Terry. Terry. Sorry to put you on the spot with this. Is it Terry Jones? Yes. Passed away, yes. And I just don't know if, like, Monty Python scripts. Like, remember how you were saying Spaceballs didn't read funny? Yes. I'm wondering how Monty Python script, how like hilarious side splitting their scripts would be to just sit down and read, you know, very dry. I would bet. Now, see, I'll say, I will say this though, as I look at that and you say this, if I saw that this was a thing, um, back in 1990, I absolutely would have bought that. Right. For 1295, you would have, you would have pulled the trigger. Yep. Absolutely. I probably, I was probably definitely in a heavy Monty Python headspace in 1990. Yes, sir. Were you ever on page 93 a roach, roach mill guy? No, I have no idea what the hell that is. I remember roach mill being a thing, but I don't, I, I have no idea. You know what I mean? Looks so. very odd. Looks, uh, you know... I wouldn't even know where to begin. Well, it was from Dark Horse, which kind of yeah. is interesting, you know? So just to kind of wrap things up here, uh, the back page has the top 20 new books. Uh, this national bestseller list is based on initial orders from previews, whatever, whatever. Uh, most of these books should have been released recently and should be available for reorder. Uh, Wolverine Special, Jungle Adventures, Excalibur Number 2, Mojo Madness, Batman Year 2, Hobbit Number 3, Excalibur Special Edition Reprint, Greatest Golden Age Stories Ever Told Hardcover, The Agent Graphic Novel, Thor Beta Ray Bill Saga Trade Paperback, uh, Gladstone Album 25, Donald Duck, and Tales of the Ninja Turtles Collected Edition is number 10. Not going to read the whole list. But it's interesting to see what, like, the top-selling books, you know, mm-hmm. were. And then the backlist, um, number one was uh, Death in the Family from Batman. 
Uh, number two is Phoenix Saga. Number three is just random Wolverine trade paperback. Number four is Killing Joke. Number five is Hobbit. Uh, number six is Ninja Turtles Book One, Daredevil Born Again, Captain Britain, Calvin and Hobbes, Lazy Sunday, and Batman Son of the Demon. So just in that top ten alone, there's three Batman books. Right. And I don't think that's just a random Wolverine trade paperback, Joe. That's probably that Frank Miller Claremont miniseries. Ah, gotcha. Which, I mean, still sells to this day. You know what I mean? And was the whole, what movie was it? It was taken again for the the second Logan movie. It wasn't the the end one. It was, I can't think of what. It was actually called The Wolverine. That was, the uh, opening part of it was taken from that. Most of it was, actually, now that I think about it. So. But... So I think that wraps things up. It's just more pushing here in the back cover, and the back cover itself is more about the Fantagraphics thing, and then the uh, R. Crumb uh, reprints. Right. I was never a Crumb guy. You know, you ever see the documentary? Nope. Documentary is real interesting, but uh, I'm with you. Uh, you know, his stuff never spoke to me. I think maybe because I wasn't a hippie, you know. Right. The only thing that turns me off more than crumb stuff is whenever I hear somebody talk about the fabulous furry freak brothers. Do you remember that at all? There was Absolutely like Absolutely not. That's not even close there was like, to being familiar. Right. There was like 11 issues of the fabulous furry freak brothers and somebody will always wander in the comic shop and be like, "Do you have any or I used to have whatever it leads into the fabulous furry freak brothers and I'm like, I don't even want to talk to this person." Because I know that's, like, the only comic they've ever read. It's the greatest comic they've ever read, if they're a fan of it, and nothing else. They've never read anything else. So, a little gatekeeping by by my, by my me, but I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I'm just, like, whatever you want to read is fine, but I always just know. I'm like, ugh, fabulous furry freak brothers. But anyway. So, I think that closes uh, January 1990 for previews, huh? Yeah, I think that puts a big, you know, January bow on it, Joe. Yes, sir. So uh, the plan going forward is we have about two years worth of material for this. The first roadblock that we have is June, May, June, June of 1990. Uh, We missed the boat on it the first time that it went up. Uh, We did re-catch the sale on May 1990 just recently. Uh, So as it gets a little bit closer to June, we're going to put the call out on social media, or if you listening to this, uh, you know, maybe you know someone, a comic book collector, a comic shop in your area that has like tons of old stuff. Maybe they have old issues of previews laying around somewhere. You know, we asked our retailer and employees at the shop and they're like, yeah, I just went to my house. And like, I had like all these like random 1992 previews just laying around. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you know anyone or, can help us find uh, June 1990, we would be forever indebted to you. Yep. That's like I said, that's the one gap in our, in our, in our, you know, plan, but hopefully we'll find one. Yes, sir. Got our fingers crossed. We still got a, a couple more months before we really have to start sweating on it. You know? So, again, thank you very much for uh, joining us over here on Patreon with this uh, episode previewing the past, January 1990. Be here next month for February 1990. Uh, Of course, if you're a Patreon member at the less than $5 limit, you can always go up to the $5 limit. 
You can get these two weeks before everybody else, and you can also get After Dark before everybody else. Uh, it always pays, and uh, always pays to help us out over at uh, Soon Be Name Network, Longbox Heroes, and so on. Yep. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night, and uh, we'll catch you here next month.